Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 This is the Bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio, Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Klein, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Bearded Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Man. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on this cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you didn't. Now look at that doctor, you homie. Fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. What's going on? Got a lot to talk about tonight. Got best of the best. Got uh, Zandig's return to professional wrestling. All sorts of different things. Um, it's obviously Yakuza Kick Radio. You know, Jake Cat Morris. But before all of that, I have on the line my guest, and that is former Force One owner Johnny Calzone. What's going on, man? Yo. Uh, it says he's on. I can't hear him. So. Technical difficulties of some sort. Uh, let me see what's going on here. All right. Yo, you there? Johnny. Well, I can't hear him. All right, his number dropped off. Uh, hoping he calls right back. Uh, such is the uh, the podcast world. 
Okay, hopefully he's going to call back. Uh, hold on. Let me see. All right, I, I think he's calling back in now. Let's see what's going on. Johnny. Yo, can you guys hear Can you guys hear me this yeah. time? Yeah, yeah, right. I can hear what's you. Up? What's cool, up? Cool, man. How we doing? Um, doing good. Um, so, yeah, yeah, man, I, how you doing? What's going on? I'm doing good, man. I'm just recovering from knee surgery, so I get to sit here and watch all the playoff hockey I want. So that's a cool thing. Yeah. But uh, other than that, yeah, no, you know, not too much fun. Yeah, I so see you're really hyped up for the hockey. I don't watch any hockey, but I definitely respect the uh, the passion you got about it and about your team the same way I am about my Niners. So I, I could definitely respect that. Yeah, it's the same exact way, dude. And I, and I actually, like, like a couple of years ago, I hated hockey. I couldn't even stand watching it, and now I love it. Like, I just, I just you know, I, just, I can't get enough of it. 82 games is not enough. <laughs> so, you know, when the yeah. Flyers don't make the playoffs, I lose my mind. So, but yeah, it's right. gonna be a good season. I'm excited. Oh yeah, so, man. Um, so does CZW running at the, the Flyer Skate Zone is still not enough to draw you over to, to Voorhees, or what's going on? Cause, no, no, dude. I, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't been a part of a CZW show in a while. I mean, I loved it when it was at the arena. Like, you know, there's so much history, like, you know, in it. And CZW did some cool shit, you know, at the arena. I mean. I'm sure they've done some cool stuff over at, at Voorhees, and, and and I like mm-hmm. most of the talent there. But like, you know, I, I I don't know. I just never got the same feel for it, you know. And uh, like, I wouldn't say I had like a falling out with DJ Hyde. Like, I don't think that I, you know, I don't think that he doesn't like me because I definitely like him. Like, he's a cool dude and all, you know. He doesn't bother me, <laughs> like, you know. But right. I mean, you know, I've just never had the reason to go over there, you know. Um, I know that I know that just about every cage of death that's there, like people lose their mind. Like, you know, there's some sort of like, you know, moms demand action type thing going over there, like, you know, losing their mind at the people that run the skate zone, telling them not to run it and stuff like that. Like, you know, oh, I mean, yeah. I guess that's pretty cool. <laughs> I guess that's pretty cool. Like, you know, but, but like I said, like, you know, I haven't been over there in a while. Um, you know, I, I'm just a busy yeah. guy too. Like I, I'm always doing something. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, I don't blame you. I'm just, like if they ran wrestling shows in, you know, within traveling reach of the 49ers fucking training facility, I'd probably just draw my curiosity, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, it, I I just uh, – sometimes it's hard to uh, to get back into it, you know? Like <laughs> uh, I remember, you know, EJ, MLJ, the, uh, the ring announcer for CZW, he's right. one of my good friends. And uh, – mm-hmm. And I remember we watched, uh, <laughs> all right, we were going to watch Drew Blood, and uh, we were still fans. I was still training at the time. It was Drew Blood and and uh, Ego in that ladder match. And yeah. I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty sure they, like, pretty much botched just about everything. Like, I respect both those guys, <laughs> but at a, to a point, like, you know, like, they, they just, they tried and failed on a bunch of occasions, which, which, again, you know, like, you do that in every match, I think. The only CZW match I ever had, I fucked up. So, you know, I understand. But, uh, you know, at that point, uh, I just remember EJ turned and looked at me, and he, like, totally Shawn Michaels. He was like, yo, man, uh, I got to go. 
this wasn't what I expected. I expected so much more. I lost my smile. And he just, like, walked out <laughs> of the arena. And, like, that's kind of, like, how I feel now. You know, it's just like, ah, I kind of lost yeah. my smile for indie wrestling. So, right. Know, but I'm sure it'll come back one of these days. Sure. Who were your so. favorite wrestlers as a kid? Oh, I mean, uh, it was funny. Like, I never grew up on the ECW and stuff, you know. I never, like, I never got to see that. So when I tell you who my favorite wrestlers are, it's going to be so cliche. I grew up as a kid watching wrestling in the late 80s, early 90s. I was a huge fan of, of dudes like the Brooklyn Brawler and Razor Ramon and, you know, like, you know, obviously the normals and then just like the Brooklyn Brawler, like I was the one guy that was just like, he's going to win this time and all you guys are going to eat shit. Like, <laughs> he's going to win this time. But uh, obviously it was like Austin, The Rock, you know, uh, like yeah. just pretty – I mean, Triple H is my favorite of all time. I mean, just, just the things he'd done from the bottom all the way to the top, like literally the top of the top. Like you can't get any higher than he is right now. So, I mean, he was one of my favorites. I think he's one of the best heels in the game. So Um, I would say, yeah, like all them guys. (laughs) Going forward from, from, you know, WWE, you said you really weren't into the ECW, but when did you start to get exposed to the indies and, you know, what was it that you saw? All right, so uh, a quick story. Um, I am a union carpenter. Like, I have a real good shoot job. Like, I you know, I make good money and everything. One day, uh, like, uh, you, you work up basically the same, same thing. You know, you work up from, like, a, a, an apprenticeship all the way up until you know just about everything, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I was a journeyman, and I just started out. And this new apprentice that came up, um, his name was Pat. And uh, – I was like, hey, man, you know, we got to talking, and I think one of us was wearing an old ratty wrestling shirt. And I was like, oh, man, Chris Candido, like, I like him. He was like, yeah, man, you know, I knew him. And then we got to talking, and uh, he ended up being the White Lotus, who uh, okay. <laughs> I think he actually – Old school CCW. I think he actually – yeah, he actually won the light heavyweight title in his first match at the first CD, CZW show. Like, if I'm not mistaken, I think he beat, like, Sensational one. Right. Um, but anyway, yeah, and he was like, yeah, man, um, I train train people to be wrestlers. Like, I'm a wrestling trainer. I was like, yeah, okay. And then I went to his school, and uh, I saw it. <laughs> you know, like, he actually trained people. Uh, Iron Man Tommy Cairo, another ECW, old school ECW guy, um, mm-hmm. ran the training center, and he, and it, you know, he started training me. And then I was like, oh, okay, like, there's, there's a whole other world out. I didn't even realize, like, I had no idea there was a whole other world, and, like, this is what you did to get to WWE, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, what did so, you see, you know, amongst the indie companies that you started to see that were, you know, a little bit bigger of a deal than, you know, maybe you're just run-of-the-mill indie? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, let's be honest. Like, in the beginning, in the beginning, like, Force One I trained that was, a be- like, a run-of-the-mill indie. You know, they just had, okay. like, they had the random, you know, they had the regular guys like, you know, Joe Schmo that traveled 20 miles to get there and that was it. Uh, but, I mean, you know, ROH and Chikara and CZW, obviously, and, you know, all the big ones. You know, I, I, I went to uh, the Chikara King of Trios, I think, like my first year in, and I saw high spot after high spot after high spot, and it blew my mind. I was, you know, at that point, I was training and I'm going, there's no way I could ever keep up with these guys. No way. But, like, that type of stuff blew my mind. Then, you know, you go to CZW for 
you know, in the beginning, you know, you go to CZW for the death matches, and then you see, like, there's guys doing stuff all over the place here that's really cool. And then, you know, you go to ROH, and you see, like, you know, WWE kind of on a smaller scale with better characters, <laughs> you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that's, you know, that all that stuff drew me in big time, and, and I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, now, how do you go from, you know, working and, and training and, and that type of thing, and obviously, you know, being a union carpenter and all that, it's not like you really needed a gig, but how do you go from that into, like, a, I want to run a company type role? Um, well, <laughs> that was dropped in my lap. Um, Pat had left after uh, we started to get we started to get a, a, almost like a little bit of steam, you know, um, we had found out uh, Sammy Callahan was like my favorite, my favorite indie wrestler. You know, I saw him in CZW a whole bunch, and I was like, I actually idolized that guy. I was like, holy shit, like this guy's guy's so good, you know. And uh, you uh-huh. know, I'm a bigger guy, and and I'm a bigger guy, so like I noticed like how much weight he lost. I was like, man, I loved him, I loved him. Um, Jimmy Clydesdale, I don't know if you guys remember Jimmy Clydesdale, but uh, he was a mm-hmm. referee at CZW. He's a little short guy. Uh, he was friends with Sammy because he used to ref, and he actually called Sammy and and asked him to come down and train. Well, uh, long story short, Sammy ended up really liking being at um, our school, and uh, Pat, the main trainer, ended up hating the fact that he was there because um, he, he didn't like CZW. He had a falling out with them, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it ended up that, like, Sammy became our trainer, but we started to pick up, like, steam. Um, the other guy, Diego DeMarco, who's, uh, in my opinion, like he's a good guy, but he's a no name indie. He, he started like picking up the, picking up the, uh, company and, and doing all these things. And, uh, one day he just walked up to me and was like, Hey man, um, you know, I'm going through some personal stuff. Like I can't, I can't run it anymore. Uh, I'm going to shut it down. He's like, I don't think we're going to have a show after February. And I was like, oh, man, or, you know, like, I was bummed. Like, oh, I met so many people, like, all my friends and everything at Force One. Mm-hmm. I was like, how can you how can you just leave it? Like, you know, how can you just close it down and walk away, you know? But uh, that's yeah. what ended up happening. And, and uh, we closed down for a little while, uh, you know, and then we started the relaunch show, which was, I can't remember the month. Like, it was so long ago. It was a couple of years ago now, and I'm taking a bunch of chair shots. But uh, we started the relaunch show because, Sammy actually sat us down and said, you know, uh, like, let me take this in a direction. And if it doesn't work, then really nobody lost anything. We'll just close it down like James wanted to do. And that's what we did, and it kind of took off. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, being an owner just dropped in my lap, like literally dropped in my lap. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was, I, you it was know, I don't know how much you could, you could um, you know, talk about or whatever, um, but – you know, financially, you know, what, I mean, what kind of numbers go into that? Like what, what goes into now is put in your lap, like what kind of, you know, overhead do you have to shoulder just, just to keep it going? All right. Before we go any further, um, I could talk about anything. <laughs> you don't have to ask, you don't have to ask me like, Oh man, you know, don't beat around the bush. Ask whatever question you want. Um, as far as financially, sure. uh, it costs for, for a small show, we wanted to get 200 people every show. Uh, that was our number. Um, but, uh, again, you know, uh, the union was, has been great to me, but in that point in time, it was, it was pretty bad for just about everybody. I mean, it was like 
the housing collapse and all that stuff. Like everybody was losing their jobs. So, uh, you know, the union was slow. So I had really no, not much work. So we literally worked off the house money. Every penny we made at Force One, we put back into the company. I've never made a car payment, a credit card payment, a mortgage payment, anything with Force One money. You know, it was always right back into it. But uh, to, uh, we wanted 200 people at the shows. Uh, we, still, we sold front row tickets. We sold uh, 40 of those. <laughs> and they were 12 bucks. okay? Um, $480 right there. And then uh, 160 tickets at uh, $10 a piece, so 1600 So really you wanted to be just around $2,000 in profit or in, in ticket sales every month. Um, for us, it's way different. It was we had a way different agreement with 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 people than you know CCW does or anything like that. Um, we right. had a building that we trained and ran out of at the same time. Um, so he was cheap. He was like three hundred dollars a show, and then our ring was there. All we did was move it from one side of the place to the other, set up some chairs. I mean, your flyers and your chairs were like a hundred and twenty-five bucks a pop. So your chair, you know, your flyers were a hundred bucks. And then you had like a street team that would go out and, you know, you'd give them free tickets, you know, and like that's kind of how we did it. Um, you know, and I'm lucky that we had so many people that were just like, you know, happy with the product and wanted to be a part of the product that we, we ended up getting out about five to 7,000 flyers every show, uh, you know, like little yeah. car flyers or hand out a flyer here or give a flyer there. Um, so, you know, we usually did okay. I mean, I, I got to say, there were a couple times where, you know, uh, we lost our ass, but uh, I never actually walked out of the arena and said, hey, guys, sorry, you know, come find me somewhere else. Yeah, usually everybody right. got paid or they got made up for it on the next show. So, um, sure. you know, that was pretty good. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the normal budget was pretty expensive. So, I mean, working, you know, with, with somewhat of a lower budget, you know, not really bringing in a bunch, is it just an even keel understanding as far as the workers go, as far as, you know, you're not making what you normally do and expecting the same kind of work rate out of them or how does that go? Uh, no, uh, the, the, you know, it was all up to Sammy. Um, I, I have to give Sammy credit where credit is due on that one. Um, that motherfucker made some magic with people that he brought into that show. Uh, to those shows. I mean, you know, if you look at some of our stuff, he, he had retitis. Um, you know, we had uh, a fitting and a mathis. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, we, we had we had a lot of different people. Like, you know, I mean, we even did a WXW Germany show, which was, uh, you know, again, that you know, that was that was a big deal for us. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? We had Lynn Dorado. Yeah. Like, we had a lot of people in there that that at the time were making a name for themselves or already had a name and they were helping us. But um, most of those guys uh, came in on Sammy's word and uh, they ended up, they ended up coming in on Sammy's word and leaving uh, happier than they ever have been because we were just like a big, we were like a big family. We had, I know it sounds cliche and stupid, but like we used to have such a good time, <laughs> you know, um, either, yeah. either, you know, before the show we'd all dick around. And then after the show, we'd all go to like a restaurant and eat and, you know, laugh and joke about the show and everything. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it started to, it started to take off, especially for those guys. And, you know, what it also became was a place for guys to try things that they, ne they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't normally try, you know, like Rhett, 
on an ROH show, you wouldn't see him trying, you know, whatever, you know, whatever move it was, you wouldn't see him trying it on national TV, you know? So, you know, that was big. So that, that was part of our success, which I think, you know, was a good thing. Sure. Now, you know, what was the long-term plan for it was, you know, as you started to pick up some kind of steam, was there plans to, you know, move it bigger and, you know, turn it into, you know, somewhat of a, like more widespread product? Yeah, there was there was always plans to do that, and as a matter of fact, I feel I feel like that was um, a part of our demise. Like I, well, not even a part of our demise because like at the end it got to the point where it was just becoming too much for me and my wife, and I, you know, I'm trying to plan a wedding and all this, you know, all this other stuff, and I had to start worried about my career, and I was starting to get injured, and you know, I'd go on for hours, obviously, but uh, the long term plans were 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 a different story. Like we, we had all these ideas, but then we started like, we started like, we got too big for our britches. We started to distribute to smart mark video. And then, um, you know, uh, instead of using these guys to film, we decided to use Pancos, which, you know, Pancos gave us an okay price, but still that was more money on top of that. And then more money on top of that. And then the building that we were training slash running shows out of, he went bankrupt and he closed his doors. So now we're trying to find a place for the ring, a place to train and a place to run shows that wasn't going to scalp us, you know? And uh, it's really weird, especially around here, like in the Atlantic city area, the people around here still think it's like, you know, mid nineties wrestling where, you know, Sable used to come out wearing a potato sack and then rip it off and showing nothing but pasties and a thong. Like people still think that's going on in wrestling. You know, which, which I mean, right. some places it is, but I mean, obviously not anymore, not nearly as much as it used to. But yeah, I think we definitely yeah. got too big for our britches too fast. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that, you that mentioned, hurt. <laughs> um, you mentioned, you know, the guy closing the building, and I, you know, I had um, Gacy on a while ago, and he told the story about the ring and this and that. So, I, what was, you know, your side of, the, of that whole crazy situation about the reclaiming the ring and all that? The crazy situation is uh, A to Z. This is how it went, okay? Um, I had talked to uh, the owner of Spontaneous Sports, which was the place we were at, and uh, I said to him, you know, uh, this is what we want to do, Uh, you know, because we we tried to schedule ahead of our shows. So, um, you know, here's this, here's that, here's this. Like, these are the months we want to run our shows. And we usually try to do it the day before CZW or – uh, another bigger show in town so we can piggyback those guys and use them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had a whole bunch of ideas written down. He said, the guy looked at me dead in the eye and he said, John, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be open. He said, uh, I'm using your rent that you, uh, that you're giving me for training on paying my electric bill. So I was like, Oh shit. All right. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I don't really yeah. know. You know, how do you respond to that? So, okay, fine. Um, so, he comes to me like a week later and he says, you know, John, I just can't do it anymore. Like, uh, we're going to have to stop training guys here. So it's like, okay, no problem. And that was like the middle of the month. So I didn't think anything of it. Um, he told us we had to stop training guys. So it was like, okay, no problem. Like it is what it is. Uh, I'll come get my ring as soon as I possibly have a spot for a 20 by 20 ring. You know what I mean? We're 18 by 18. Yeah. Ring. Like, it's massive. So, uh, Joe, was running his show. Um, and Joe, Joe explained, 
you know, hey, man, you know, let me have, let me use the ring. I said, no problem. You know, Joe was always good to us, especially, you know, as a friend. Like, he was a good dude. Um, so I was like, yeah, no problem. I was like, can you do me a huge favor, though? I was like, you can literally use that ring as much as you want, wherever you want. You can even do rentals with it. I said, but right now I need a place to store it. And I know that your brother has a really nice garage. Like, would he by any chance want to put it in there? Calls me back 15 minutes later. He's like, everything's good. You know, we'll do that. I said, okay. I said, just do me a favor. Don't wait till the day of your show to get it because I don't know something's up with this guy. So he said, okay, no problem. Of course, uh, I should have known better. And and I, I do like Joe Gacy. Like, don't get me wrong, but I knew it was coming. The day of the show, he calls me and says, hey, man, I never got the ring. Now, mind you, there's no training going on anymore there. There's, you know, the building's barely even open anymore. Um, actually, as a matter of fact, the building wasn't open at all. Um, right. And, and this guy's, like, the, the guy from Spontaneous Sports is, quote, unquote, nowhere to be found. Like, he's never even at the place anymore. So uh, Joe calls yeah. me and he goes, hey, man, there's a chain on the front door. And I was like, are you fucking serious? Like, what are you talking about? There's a chain on the front door. And he's like, yeah, there's a chain on the front door. Well, uh, in the beginning, Joe would train with us, and uh, I gave him a guy, Rick, and uh, I forget, uh, there, there was someone else. Oh, a guy, Josh Adams, who uh, worked for Dojo Wars all the time. He was uh, training okay. uh, with us as well. I gave them all master keys to the building because Don had given me a master key to, or master keys to the building so we can get in there and train whatever we want. So I gave Joe, sorry if the story's going long, by the way, I apologize. No, it's, but, uh, it's all good, man. Go ahead. All right. So uh, I, I know I had given Joe that and I said, well, that master key should open everything. I said, uh, you know, why don't you check the door on the side or whatever? And at that time uh, I was out of work and I was doing anything I could to get a couple of dollars together. Um, so I was working pretty far away from the house. So uh, he's like, okay. So um, I forgot about it, but the back door uh, to where basically the back door to where our training, uh, like our whole area of training was, was actually broken. So like you can literally just pull that door open and Mm -hmm. get into the building. Um, Also, the fucking building was made of canvas. Like, no joke, it was made of canvas. Like, a, almost like a, like a vinyl canvas, okay? Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Something, like, something like, a, like a Coleman tent is made out of, because that's what it was, it's this big-ass tent. So I was like, okay, whatever. He calls me back or texts me, like, 15 minutes later. He was like, hey, man, we got in. Okay, great, you know, no problem. Um, so I, I, didn't, I didn't say anything. Uh, I was just like, you know, no big deal, whatever, this, that, the other thing. So... Joe calls me 15 minutes later, and he goes, hey, man, uh, you got to get here as fast as possible. I said, well, I'm, an, I'm a good hour from being anywhere. I said, I'm on your show tonight. I said, can't we just talk tonight? And he was like, uh, no, it's a big deal. Like, the cops are here. This and I was like, well, what the fuck did you do? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what, what yeah. happened? And he, and he just explained to me that he doesn't know what happened. He got into the building, and, uh, and, 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 and the cops showed up. So I called this guy, Don, the owner, uh, and I said, yo, man, I said, did you call the cops on my buddy to forget the ring out? And he was like, oh, yeah, I called the cops on him because you owe me rent and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, uh, I was like, okay, uh, all right, fine. Like, how do we owe you rent? Like, you know, first of all, you told us we weren't allowed to train in there anymore. We, you know, I told you that we'd get the ring out of there as fast as possible. Like, 
how do I owe you rent? Uh-huh. If I'm not able to, if I'm not able to use your facility, how how come I have to pay you for it? You know what I mean? So okay, right. fine. Yeah. So I talked to him on the phone, and I was like, "Well, Don, like, you know, we'll have to talk about that." So he goes, "Okay, fine." He goes, "Well, in the meantime, I'm going to go down to the police station. I'm going to press charges on these guys." And I was like, "You're going to get these guys for felony breaking and entering right now? Like, like it's a major charge. Like that's some big shit." So um, yeah. he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, blah blah blah. Big shit. This, that, and the other thing." Well, this guy Jeremy that works with. Uh, or he was friends with Joe. He was money marking the show, if I'm not mistaken. As a matter of fact, I'm not mistaken because he used to walk around at the shows telling everybody he was the money mark. Um, uh-huh. He he had a really good job somewhere. Uh, you know, he carried a gun like the whole thing. So any little you know infraction on his record could get him to lose his job, which I totally understand. Like, dude had every right to be uh, every right to be worried about it. Well, in the meantime, Don's going down to press charges, and I said, you know what? I have nothing to do. I literally am free. I have no work, nothing. Like, I'm making money as I see it because the union's not calling. Everybody's dead. Like, I'll get together all my paperwork and fight this dude in court, you know? So I get together all my paperwork. I get everything. Um, I get a police report, and it actually says that Joe – or one of the people that were with him, I'm not going to say that it was definitely Joe, but one of the people that were with him lied and broke into the building. They actually cut a hole in the canvas in the building and broke into the building because the keys (laughs) that they had, the keys that they had uh, actually didn't work on the locks because they had changed the locks out. The bank had changed the locks out. So the keys didn't work. So uh, originally, according to the police report, Originally, the uh, whoever it was, I I prefer not to say. Let's put it that way. Whoever it was right. originally told them that they got into the building using a key, and the police tried the key, and well, it's a fact that it didn't work. Um, so then they did a little more investigation and realized that somebody cut a monstrous hole in the building and worked their way in. Um, so I realized yeah. at that point I had no leg to stand on. I had no leg to stand on at that point. Um, I, I had canceled checks, uh, canceled or uh, receipts that were signed by both of us for rent. And I also had a rental agreement for the building, for the, you know, for the training center that expired six months earlier, and we were on a month-to-month basis. So I re- literally would have showed this paperwork to the judge, and I have uh, markings on my ring that have my initials on them claiming ownership, I would have showed that paperwork to the judge and would have taken pictures of the ring, and none of this would have ever happened. But anyway, the guy, Jeremy, the guy, Jeremy, that worked for was with Joe, decided to somehow call somebody that called somebody that got him a number that traced him back to this guy, Don, at Spontaneous Sports, and he said, well, you know, Calzone owes me $500 in rent. And if you pay that, I'll drop the charges. Well, I don't know, like, he lost his mind. He calls me, and he's, like, losing his mind. And you know what? Respectfully, I have to understand that the guy had a a high-paying job, a nice job. Like, he did what he had to do, okay? But he turned around, and he's Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to pay this guy. He's like, I'm going to pay this guy. I'm going to pay this guy. I'm like, you really don't have to because I'm, I'm telling you, like, I know I can win this. Like, I know I can beat this guy. He's like, no, I'm just going to pay this guy. I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay. 
Okay, fine. Then pay him. So he paid him, and Don went to court, dropped the charges. Now here's the problem: when you get dropped, when you when you uh, originally press charges on somebody for a felony, um, the the person that pressed the charges can drop the charges all they fucking want. Okay, but the judge has to agree to drop the charges as well. So right. when they walked in there, when they walked in there, this idiot from Spontaneous Sports thought he was just trying to ring people up for $500, which he did a good job, okay? But he didn't realize that no matter what he said, even if he said it was totally accidental, the judge would have to drop the charges as well, okay? Yeah. Well, the judge, the judge said, I'll drop the charges, but you guys have to pay for an expungement. You guys won't do any jail time. You won't do anything. So it ends up costing you like $1,500. So at that point in the game, I, I couldn't do anything for these guys. Like, I literally couldn't do anything because they didn't want me to fight it. They just decided that they would take it into their own hands. And you know what? Like I said, I can totally understand where they're coming from with that. Like, you know, the guy's, the guy's got a nice, good-paying job, and he's got kids and all that other stuff. But at the end of the yeah. day, I could prove that I could fight it. And, of course, you know, I, there's three people that were in that whole entire situation, Okay. One of them is Joe Gacy. The other one is uh, <laughs> Chad Burke, which is another good buddy of mine. He uh, goes under the name of Jimmy Lyon as a wrestler. Uh, some may know him right. as Chondo. Um, and mm-hmm. this other guy, Jeremy. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, I had a, a major issue with Joe for a while. Uh, Jeremy I still don't talk to, but I don't give a fuck about him because I literally have no idea where he's even at. Uh, but anyway, all of those people admitted fault in the whole thing, which, again, I'm not sitting here trying to point fingers and, and, and tell people where, you know, where they should be going or what they should be doing. But they all admitted fault, and they all admitted that probably something else could have been done. Um, I'm not trying to say that I would have been the savior, but I am trying to say that I definitely had – enough evidence to get them out of it and, uh, right. you know, fight off the case. Uh, Joe was mad at me for a long time, um, as a matter of fact. And then one day uh, Chad Shaft called me out on Twitter, got me all annoyed, and then I finally called Joe and I said, hey, man, uh, are we really going to do this forever? Like, why don't you just, you know, why don't we just bury the hatchet and figure out what's going on? And at that point, I don't care what anybody says. He admitted that he was wrong, and he told me he was wrong. And, uh, you know, again, what am I to do? I, I don't know how to help. I, I couldn't help him in any other way, like, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the story. That's the crazy, crazy, the crazy story of the ring. That's that's it. So <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's some pretty wild shit, <laughs> It's It's pretty fucking wild. And as a matter of fact, uh, I got my ring back. And uh, I ended up giving it to – I ended up selling it to Chad. So uh, he's got my ring now. So nice. just how nice. just how crazy that was. <laughs> it all went full circle. Uh-huh. So what, um, you know, what were some of, like, your favorite matches that, you know, were put on within Force One? Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, uh, Hero Sammy was amazing. Hero and Sammy was awesome, and the funny story with that is uh, the battery died on the roaming cam, so uh, (laughs) 
so the only thing that you have on that whole match uh, was 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 the hard cam. Uh, thankfully, they didn't do anything outside the ring, and the whole entire match was actually caught on the hard cam. But the uh, Roman cam died on that. <laughs> but that was one of my favorites. Um, I uh, not to put myself over, but I I really enjoyed the build that Sammy and I had. Uh, we had like a one year long build for for matches, and then we ended in cage match. Uh, the most ghetto ass cage I've ever seen in my life. I swear to God, I still don't know how that cage didn't fall on all the fans. Um, it was it was ghetto. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, it was terrible. Like it was rigged together with like uh, with like ratchet tie downs at the top, and like you know if one of those broke, the whole cage would have literally exploded onto the fans. Um, but like anything from the WXW show, that was that was one of the most fun shows to me. That I still watch that one and get chills just because I know all the work that went into that and how much people like actually like busted their ass to get that show to go off. You know what I mean? Um, that's yeah. a good one. So I mean, you yeah. know, any of that is is like my favorite. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah definitely some of... good ones. Speaking of structures and, you know, being a carpenter and everything, had they ever used you for, you know, help with, like, the cage of death structures in uh, the arena? Yeah. Uh, I I uh, I helped with Tangled Web a couple times, and it wasn't until the last cage of death uh, that Scrawny Shawnee found out that I was a union carpenter. He used to hate me. Like, I don't know what I did to him, but he used to fucking hate me. Like, I would walk in there. And he would know who I was, but he would, like, he would never talk to me. He would never even acknowledge me. And then one day somebody was like, yo, you know, you know Calzone can help you. He's a carpenter, right? And, he, and like, he was, he was almost like, who the fuck is Calzone? And then he looked, and I'm standing over there like, hey. And, and finally, like, we used to talk. Like, you know, that after that, he used to talk and joke with me, like, every time. But, uh, yeah, I helped with Tangled Web. Um I, I was on Tangled Web when uh, it was Drake versus Scotty Vortex, and they uh, right. they bought they bought the wrong panes of glass. You remember? And Scotty fucked uh, his hand up like really really bad. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. DJ Hyde is sitting there, standing next to me. DJ Hyde is standing next to me, and he goes, "Hey, Calzone, uh, can you hop in the ring and tell Scotty no?" And I was like. Wait, this is Scotty Vortex. Is like I, I don't like this is the dream that Drake and Scotty have had for like ever. And you want me to get in there and tell these guys not to do this shit? Fuck you. I was like, you get in there. <laughs> and he was like, oh no, man, I'd rather you get in there. If I get in there, it'll be a big deal and this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, I don't care. I'm not getting in there. You're out of your mind. Um, yeah, but I, I did. I helped out with a couple of structures. Uh, like I said, it wasn't until the final cage of death at the arena. That uh, that scrawny Shawnee knew that I was, you know, I was like a guy that could actually help. So wow, that's <laughs> crazy. Know, I probably would, I uh, probably would have helped though. So, so um, you know, then yeah. the, with Force One, obviously, you know, things there was some falling out of some sort because um, you know Sammy later went on on his shoot interview and, and pretty much buried you over everything. And I mean, you said nothing but positive things about your experience with Sammy up until this point. So I mean, what happened? Uh, where do we start? Um, I have to uh, place some of that blame on alcohol. Um, I also have to place some of that blame on oh, man. I I do. I have to place some of that blame on on the on the split up between him and his wife. Um, you know, there's there's a bunch of things. Uh, last April, when he got 
I think he was in NXT at that point. Yeah, it was right after he saved that guy and, like, broke his leg and shit. We kind of buried the hat uh, for a little bit. Like, you know, a little bit. Uh, I did tell him, like, hey, man, you know, we're cool. We can talk and stuff. I said, but, you know, don't expect to come to, like, you know, my next barbecue or some shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, just, right. it's just that simple. But um, the the major aspect of what happened was uh, was that we were cool. We were cool the whole time we were at Force One. Okay, like everything was cool with me. Um, and then it got to the point where, you know, I felt like he stopped caring. Um, and then and then all of a sudden, uh, we were on our way. We used to have booking meetings at his house. And uh, mm-hmm. I was on my way to his house, and he called me, and he was like, hey, man, I can't do this Force One thing anymore. And I was like, okay. You know, and, and he's like, you know, I just got other stuff going on. Uh, I think I'm going to WWE. And I was like, dude, like, you're fucking sitting here telling me that you can't do Force One anymore because you're going to WWE and you expect me to be mad at you? Like, are you kidding me? You know what I mean? Like, you're going to WWE is your dream. Right. dream. Go. And I'm not trying to, like, put this over like I'm the fucking, you know, I'm the saint here. Like, I did some terrible things, okay? Um, like, I, I, was, I was mean to that kid for a while, you know, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, like, you know, after that, it started to, like, fall out, and then, um, I, uh, absolutely can't stand, and, and, and I'm only going to say this, because, you know, this is the point where, like, I start to get myself in trouble, like, you know, people listen to this shit, but I, I despise, I do not like, and I never will ever in a million years like Brett Lauderdale, okay, I, I, you know, I right. wish harm on him. I don't wish harm on him. I don't wish anything of that sort. You know, he's a father. It is what it is. But my I God, he's a dickhead. <laughs> but my God, he's <laughs> a dickhead. Like, I, I, I don't think I don't think I found one person in my life ever that I like. I've just thought of as much of a piece of shit as him. I just don't like him. And you can tell in that shoot interview. Uh, as a matter of fact, I got a clip from somebody, and I will not mention their name, but I got a clip, and they were like, hey, man, did you hear about this? And mm-hmm. I looked at it, or I, I listened to it, and then uh, I was like, wow, that's ridiculous. Like, I didn't think we had, like, I didn't think we had this ridiculous beef going on. Like, you know, like, okay, whatever. And, uh, you know, he said something like typical, like typical Johnny Calzone, like when, when they were talking about getting the ring taken away, like typical Johnny right. Calzone. Like, like I, that's never happened to me before. I've never gotten anything repoed from me, like you know, or taken from me, or anything like that. Like you talk about typical. So then I was like, "Wow, you fucking asshole!" Like I can't. But but you know, if, when I heard it, it was a different story than when I actually watched it. Like, if you watch it throughout that whole thing, whether you see Sammy with a can of beer or or liquor in his hand or not, you can see that his eyes are starting to droop and he's starting to look all fucked up, like he's drunk. Okay, obviously drunk. Uh-huh. Okay, and, and 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 Lauderdale feeds him these questions. Okay, and expects him to react in that way. Okay, and I get it. It's for the camera. It is what it is. It's you know, I'm just about to go to WWE, and I want one more controversial shoot interview so people remember me. I get it. Okay, but I was like that fucking kid. Like I, I, I like <laughs> I literally did everything he told me to do. Uh, as far as wrestling concerns, okay, I, I, you know, I never asked him for a penny. I never asked him to uh, give up anything. He he told me, or he said that I was, uh, I was getting too big for my britches and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, 
I was the owner. I I put out every penny for that Fed. Sammy wrote the matches. Sammy booked the shows. Sammy did the storyline. Right. So how's I getting too big for my britches? I suggested to him that I sat out for two months. You know what I mean? Like I suggested to him yeah. that I sat out of my own company for two months in the middle of our storyline so that I stay fresh or, or he stay or our storyline stays fresh. I, but you know, again, he, he was drunk, he was fucked up and he had no idea what he was saying. I honestly fully believe that. Um, the whole thing with him and Chrissy and their divorce, I won't comment on that. Okay. The only thing I can say is, is that it was a bad move on both of them on both of their parts. I really feel that way. Um, you know, it was like I feel like it was a bad move on both of their parts because at the end of the day, when I'm in Ohio for a wedding that I just drove ten hours to go to, and the day before the wedding, Sammy's looking for wrestling bookings in the town. I know there's something wrong. Like there's something just not fucking right. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah. okay, well, I don't know what the hell's gonna go on there, but you know, um, yeah, I, I I did side with Chrissy on the breakup. Uh, because I knew a lot of what was going on and it was, you know, and I, I'm sure Chrissy would prefer I didn't say anything and that's probably how I'll leave it. But, um, right. You know, I did, I sided with Chrissy big time because I knew exactly what was going on. So, um, you know, that got me in trouble. And, uh, the fact that his shoot interview just set me off, dude, like that pissed me off so bad because I literally thought we were like good friends. Um, I, I really did. Like, you know, he annoyed the shit out of me every day. You know, he used to bother me. And, but my God, like me and my buddy, Zach, um, who's like, he's been my best friend since I was 14. He always said, take the good with the bad. Like Sammy has booked every single show, uh, <laughs> to the T, but he overbooked it and we owe him this much money for, 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 you know, for wrestlers or whatever. You know, if that's a little bit of the bad, then I'll take a little bit of the bad with the good. You know, I mean, we have 400 people at this show. Like, obviously, you did something right. So, sure. you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that was really fucking hurtful, dude. Like, that sucked. And I never get, like, that type of, like, that type of upset. Like, if people don't like me, I don't give a fuck. You can go pound sand. Like, I don't care. You know? Right. But that one, that one sucked because I thought Sammy and I were really close. I mean, I asked the kid to be in my wedding. I was in his wedding, like. I didn't realize that, <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't realize that he, uh, that, that, that it was going to go that way. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the kid took a wrestling booking over being in my wedding. It's that simple, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and you tell me that's typical of me, like it's typical of me to be a shyster or a piece of shit. No, nah, man, like that's where I had the problem, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, but that's that. Yeah. I, I can't really, um, I can't, can't really comment any further on that because, you know, like I said, I thought that thought they were a way better friends than that, especially for a while there. Right. So, so, and we'll, um, so when Sammy did, you know, decide that he couldn't do it anymore, might be going to the WWE and all that stuff, was that pretty much the demise of Force One because of the, the way things were being booked through Sammy? No, the, the, uh, at that point, at that point, everybody that we had we had booked, I, I always said that we were like <laughs> we were kind of like drug dealers, you know. Like we we uh, we had we had something special, something like really fun going on at Force One. Okay, I mean anybody that you ask that was in Force One, with the exception of Brett Lauderdale, which again I think he's a scumbag, so that doesn't matter. 
But with the exception of Brett Lauderdale, anybody that you asked that was ever in Force One would be like, I did it at first as a favor, and then I realized how good it was, like how, how much fun I was actually having. Like we took the business aspect out of Force One. You know, we took mm-hmm. we took the head, you know, we took the uh like the crazy uh you know, oh, this is your payday. You know, we took all that, you know, the the DJ Hyde, Eddie Kingston drama where Eddie kicks you know, we took all that shit out of Force One. We had a good time. Like, you know, Brody came and he said it was like some of the most fun he's ever had. You know, Chris Hero mm-hmm. said it's some of the most fun he's ever had. Whether these guys were blowing smoke up my ass, I don't know. But the point of the matter is is the amount of times those guys came back, the, you know, the, the, the Ophidians and the Amasis and the Frightmares and, you know, the Rhett Tituses, all those guys came back. Uh, you know, for me, the, the, the Lince Dorados, again, for me, that means they were having fun. Okay. And these guys ended up not caring about their paydays and not caring about the, the crazy aspect of, you know, all business all the time and started having fun. You know, started going out there doing exactly what we needed them to do to get the crowd pumped. You know, we'd have this little blurb about every match, you know, uh, Lince, make it high spotty, go have some fun, you know, and he would go out there and do it and he'd get in the back. He'd be like, man, it was so much fun. fun. Like, you know, Greg Excellent would come in, do exactly what Greg Excellent does, and that's it. You know what I mean? And that's the type of right. atmosphere we had. And, and then we'd go, we'd laugh, we'd go to a karaoke bar after and sing and drink and, and, and do all this dumb shit and end up being more like a family aspect than a business, you know? And that's where I think it became, it became good. <laughs> this is where some of our best shows are, you know? Um, yeah. But when Sammy, when Sammy left, our big problem was booking. Um, not exactly the, uh, the people or the personnel. It ended up being, it ended up being like uh, uh, an issue with, with, with too many hands in the pot. Uh, you know, this guy would wait till this guy left the room and he would be like, you know, man, I can help you book better than he can. And, you know, you know, and it just keep going in circles and circles and circles. And then it started to get to like, you know, I was in the middle of doing this and doing that and working now. And so they're going, you know, I got a wedding to pay for. If we don't get 200 people at this show, that's a thousand dollars I can't put toward my wedding. You know, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So, so more or less, Sammy was like the respected booker that everybody just didn't question his decisions, and it kind of worked smoothly because of that. Yeah, uh, Sammy and my buddy Zach. Uh, Zach, uh, again, my best friend since I was 14 years old. He uh, he got into it with me, and those two used to fight like like you wouldn't believe. Uh, they would just argue and scream and yell at each other. And I would come in, and I wouldn't have, like, a say. I would just kind of ask questions, like, why? You know, like, like uh, why is why is Lince Dorado winning the, you know, the, the Heritage title right now? Like, do we know we're going to get him for an extra three months? Like, you know, like, how is this going to work? And they would, you know, and that would be it. Um, and then right. storyline-wise, storyline-wise, I'd ask questions in that matter. But Zach and, Zach and Sammy used to go crazy. Like, they used to fight back and forth. And they were best of friends, too. So, uh, you know, Zach and Sammy did all the booking. And then uh, when Sammy left, uh, we asked we asked John Dahmer to help us out. Um, and John is literally one of my best friends in the entire world. 
between Zach and John Dahmer, it's like a neck and neck tie. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But the uh, the point of the matter is, is at that point, um, it was getting it was getting expensive. Uh, we started to decline number wise. Um, it was like I said, it was getting expensive, and you know, too many other people from other places wanted their hands in the pot, and they wanted to do this and do that. And then we let it happen like one time and it was, and it went like terribly, <laughs> you know, uh, right. we, we went in, we went in on, on, on an expensive guy with another fed and that fed said, Oh yeah, you let him defend your title. Well, that fed is just a joke and we don't know why we even did it, but it worked for that thing. And then other people started to realize and then, you know, it just, it ended up becoming like, why would you let that happen type thing? <laughs> so, um, you know, that, that, that hurt. And, uh, you know, just after a while, I thought it was better to go out on like a higher note than it was to just keep trying, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So, I mean, closing up at that point, did you, I mean, have you thought about starting it back up or, you know, yeah, you just no turning back after that? No, there isn't a time where um, I get – there isn't a time where I talk to Zach and I say, hey, man, you know, I would love to start it up. Um, it's just now it's like, you know, I'm at the point where I just got ACL surgery. Um, thankfully, I was hurt on a job and it had nothing to do with wrestling. You know what I mean? Right. But, uh, um, you know, it's like I wouldn't get in the ring anymore. I'm done. Um, and a lot of people that I know – probably wouldn't get in the ring anymore. Um, and, you know, and that, that's fine. Like, it is what it is. But uh, I've been out of the loop, you know, and we don't have many connections anymore. At least I don't. Zach probably has way more than I do. Um, mm-hmm. We've been out of the loop, and it's hard to it's hard to get back into that loop um, without getting money marked for money. Or, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, without people going, uh, yeah, you know, I feel like I can scalp him for a couple extra dollars. Like, you know, and I'm just being honest, you know. Um, yeah. Like, like if I called if I called somebody big up right now, they're going to give me the mark price. You know what I mean? Because they have no idea who yeah. I am. Or, you know, not that I'm anybody special, but they have no idea that I used to run a Fed and do all that stuff. So they're going to give me the mark price. And they're going to say, yeah, man, uh, you know, it's going to be 500 bucks for me to come out there. When I know damn well, I'd probably get you for 40 and a piece of pizza if I were, you know, if I were a little bit, if I were a little bit more uh, prominent than I used to be, like not saying that I used to be, you know what I mean? Like I used to be some king shit or whatever. Like, I'm just saying like, if you knew the product and you knew what it was all about, then you might've, you might've just, you might've come on because you wanted to, not because you saw dollar signs, you know what I mean? So, right. You know, that's, that's the hard part. Uh, but would I love to? Yeah, I would definitely love to. I would run it right now if I could. I would run it with Zach and EJ, the ring announcer, and uh, the ring announcer for CZW, and I would run a seven-match card. And I couldn't tell you what the card would be, but it would be fun, and it would be just like the old days, I would hope. But, yes, I think about it all the time. <laughs> If you could do anything differently coming back, if you, you know, were to get it back going, what would you do differently this time than you did last time? I would fucking take it slow. Oh, my God. I would take it so much slower. I would, you know, uh, I would pre-book. 
I would take it slow. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be selling our DVDs to all these people. I wouldn't be trying to get us to stream online. I wouldn't be buying the, uh, uh, you know, the HD cameras and the, you know, or I wouldn't, I should say, I wouldn't be employing SmartMark or, 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 uh, Pancos, not that there's anything wrong with them, but I wouldn't be doing that, you know, right now because we don't need to, you know what I mean? Like, Right. I, th- I think some of the best, uh, you know, I think some of the best indie shows are filmed with a with, with a camera that, uh, you know, you set up in the corner of your room with your old lady every night. You know what I mean? Like some of those <laughs> are like some of the better better indie shows where some random guy with a with an ICP T-shirt is filming the matches and the, and the hard cam is just running by itself and like, you know, some guy re- eating a hot dog in front of it for ten minutes and it's like, you know, those are some of the best some of the best uh, indie shows right now. Um, than than you trying to make your show look bigger than it is. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's yeah. an indie show. You know, there's 40 people in the crowd, but yet you have a $40,000 sound system behind you, and, you know, uh, Mike Pankos is walking around with a $5,000 camera. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, yeah, we know where you are, but, you know, okay, fine. So you had the money to do it. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, that, that that's definitely what I would take it slowly. I would keep going. I would go slow and steady. And uh, I would probably run four times a year instead of every month. I think that was another big killer for us. Every month it started to get expensive, and it started to get tedious, and it started to get really tiring. Yeah. Now, you know, you, um, you've had, you know, a legit job for, you know, the whole time. You might have had some problems, you know, with maybe not getting enough work or whatever the case was. Yeah. but. You know, the times have changed a lot, and you see more and more of these wrestlers that are coming up. They get into wrestling school, and the next thing you know, they have their, their GoFundMe pages up. I mean, what's your thoughts on the whole GoFundMe movement? I hate. I, I, I don't even know how I can put into words how much I hate GoFundMe, unless it's done for the right reason. You know, um, right. you know, Atu, the, uh, the worker Atu, uh, Mm-hmm. He's actually a really nice guy. Like, you know, uh, I think he lost all of his stuff in an apartment fire. Right. Um, and he, he did a GoFundMe. Um, and I, I completely understand that. Like, that makes sense, dude. You know, like, something happened to you and your wife and your kids, okay? Like, I would totally understand if you did a GoFundMe. Like, I get it. I would be like, okay, if I have a couple extra bucks, I'm donating to Jay so that he can get back up on his feet. But no way in hell. And I mean this, like, with all fucking due respect to people that actually use GoFundMe for the right reason. No way in hell am I going to do – I think the one that pissed me off the absolute most was the Kimberly one. No way right. am I going to pay your fucking school loans off, your $100,000 of school loans, okay? Because that's what she was asking for was 100 Gs, okay, right. of school loans that you paid for a dancing school. You paid for dan- – like, first of all – like, like uh, worst fucking careers for five hundred, Alex. Like that is it. Like <laughs> that's the that's the fucking that's the daily double right there. Like that is like oh, I just I want to be a fucking backup dancer for Will Smith. Like give me a break. Like you know that, that's that's stupid. Okay, you you piss your money away. But now you set up a GoFundMe page. You turn around. You set up this fucking GoFundMe page, and in it, in it, you have the balls. You have the fucking balls to write help me pay for my school loans so that i can live my dream i'm sorry 
I didn't ask you to do that. I didn't fucking right. ask you for one second to go be a backup dancer for Will Smith. I didn't ask you for one second to go to dancing school. I didn't ask you for one second to rack up $100,000 in school loans and then go work at Applebee's, okay? Apparently, Chikara doesn't pay that well because you're the fucking grand champion and you don't get enough money to pay your school loans. Let me tell you something. There's plenty of people out here, including my wife, including probably your wife and probably a lot of other wives out there that are paying school loans off by the month, okay? But there's a difference yeah. between me and all of those other and, and, or I should say, and all those other people and Kim, okay? Uh, the, the difference is, is that we're out there working real jobs, busting our ass day in and day out so that we can pay for our bills. We're not asking fans, okay, that have already paid to see you wrestle to give you more fucking money so that you can go and, 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 and travel the world, quote, unquote, okay? Fuck you. You can suck a dick. I can't stand it. I think it's ridiculous. And I think people like that, like people like that are the reason why like fucking Donald Trump is, is in the running for being a president. Like you are such a, you're such a millennial. You don't want to work for anything. The only thing you want to work for is something that you want. Okay. And if that costs you money mm-hmm. and you can't afford it, you have the balls to ask other people for it. Blows my mind. It blows my fucking mind. I've never once asked people for money to just pay something and then just go, yeah, I'm not going to give it back to you at all. Like, I'm never, like, I'm never going to give you that. All right. Yeah. You know, I, you, you get me going on GoFundMe. You can get me going for hours on GoFundMe. I, I just think it's ridiculous. There's, there was one. Oh, it um, oh, it makes me nuts. Dude, I, honestly, I can't, I can't even think straight. Like, I can't. Like, you know, the, the, I have the people that just send them to me every time there is one because they, they piss me off so they know it's going to get me going, too. So. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what happens with me. That's exactly what happens. People are like, yo, dude, did you see it? I'm like, if you sent me a go, oh, you fucker, you sent me a GoFundMe. Like, you know, like, uh, yeah. I've seen ones where, where it's like people are like, oh, yeah, can you help me buy new gear? It's like, are you serious? Yeah. You need new fucking wrestling gear? First of all, let me, let me just tell you something. Like, a good set of wrestling gear probably costs you like two to three hundred bucks, okay? Like, you know, you can get by on a cheap set for a hundred. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you need to set yeah. up GoFundMe for three hundred dollars. You you really need to figure your career choice out because that is not it for you. So yeah, yeah that's it on GoFundMe. It's like that is how I feel. I can't stand it. And if I ever do a GoFundMe, I can guarantee you it's going to be for a reason, and because I really need the money, not because I feel like doing something. So yeah. <laughs> that's that. <laughs> yeah, it's um, and you know the GoFundMe was like the next step, but I I feel like the first part of the the women's wrestling thing that they got on big was like the Amazon wish lists and stuff, and, and I always saw that as like all right, like I know these fans are willing to do anything because they think it's gonna get them somewhere, but I mean it right. is kind of taking advantage of the people who are paying to see you. I mean you sell them a T-shirt and eight by ten, it's fine, but when it gets to like hey. I love iPods. Buy me one of those. It's like, all right, right. come on. I mean, it's like, like Jay. Think about this. Like, how much money do you think you spend on a wrestling company, or, or you know, just just in general, just on wrestling uh, related, like CZW related things? How much do you think that you spend? Over a grand, over five grand, over ten grand, whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. You spent that quite much. A bit, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it gets up there if you think about it, but you spend that much money on two people on DJ Hyde and John Zandig, okay? All right. It, it just, just imagine DJ Hyde going, 
Well, you know, I, I, Jay, I realized you bought a, a front row ticket to the last show, and uh, and you and you did. You bought a T-shirt. Um, but you know what, dude? I'd really like if you can give me another twenty bucks. That's good. Uh, what am I going to give you in return? Absolutely nothing. Like you, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just sound you like you sound like an asshole. You know, <laughs> like. I don't know. It, it just it just makes it makes no sense to me. Like you know, and and going back to the women's thing, like I always thought features were really low. Okay, until I found out like how much they're actually getting paid for their shit. Because there are people out there that will buy certain things. Okay, and for anybody that doesn't know, features are you know different things. Like you know, uh, people can you know will have like a random room set up in their basement in the middle of Poughkeepsie. Like you know, it, it's just basically like. You know, you can, as a fan, you can contact this guy and ask, um, you know, Johnny Calzone to wrestle in, uh, you know, bare feet, and you would pay $200 for that video, okay? Like, you know, okay, it sounds harmless enough, you know, but I always thought they were, I always thought they were low, like, I always thought they were pretty, like, you know, pretty gross or whatever, but then I realized people are actually working for this shit, like, you know, it's not like people are doing, people are doing stuff for free. It's just like, right. like uh, you know, Johnny Calzone's wrestling in bare feet. Somebody's willing to pay for that. Okay, fine. That's still better than a GoFundMe. <laughs> you know, like it, it just like uh, the, the GoFundMe thing like really pisses me off, really bad. Like it makes me nuts, and I can't even, <laughs> I can't even think about it anymore. Yeah, so. and, and you know, the the one another one that really pissed me off too is when when Gage got locked up and they started with he got locked back up. And, um, you know, he, he violated parole, and he got thrown back in, and then it was like they're, they're starting this fundraising campaign. And it's like, do you think I can give a call to Nick Gage, who I was already paying his bills by giving him money, you know, by going to shows, buying T-shirts? Could I call yeah. him, like, if I got locked up and be like, hey, dude, um, if I get back out, I'll be throwing you 20 bucks for a T-shirt again. If I don't, then, you know, I guess – you're at that twenty bucks. Like, there's no return at yeah. all. Uh, right, and, and let me uh, let me just say something about Nick Gage. Like, I, I'm sure people have uh, an idea about Nick Gage and who he was as a person. Okay, but that guy, I was, I you know, as always, I was a fan. I was, I started training, and I was a fan before I was a wrestler. Okay, um, I still don't consider myself a good wrestler. I don't consider myself, you know, even close to being serviceable compared to some of the guys I've seen out there. But I will tell you this right now, okay? When I walked into the CZW locker room for the first time, I was scared of two people. Two people, okay? Actually, three. I'm sorry, three. Um, the first one was Danny Havoc, uh, just because I've seen the fucking beatings he would take and <laughs> still get up from all of it, okay? Danny Havoc was the, on top of everybody, one of the nicest people I've ever met. After Cajun mm-hmm. death, Sammy is... Uh, Sorry, I have to rehash this story, but Sammy was in, 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 in the locker room at, at the arena, and in the locker room there was a shower where he had gotten that big gash on the back of his neck. And uh, right. I, someone came out from the back, and uh, they said to me, hey, Calzone, Sammy wants you in the back. I was like, fuck, all right. So I go in the back. Sammy is completely butt-ass naked in this shower, okay, washing his back, the cut on his back, with like soft soap, like the shitty antibacterial soft soap you get from the from the thing. He goes, Calvin, yeah. I need you to wash my back, man. I need you to wash my back. So I'm 
I just start washing. Okay, now I'm in I'm in the bathroom at the arena. Okay, in the back room, washing a completely <laughs> naked man's back. Okay, and I'm like, oh well, I mean, all right, whatever. So I'm just washing this dude's back out of the corner of my eye. I see Danny Havoc standing there, who literally just got out of Cage of Death himself. Okay, and he went. Oh. I was like, what man? He asked me to do it. He goes, doesn't mean it looks any less gay. And he just like turned and walked away. <laughs> And I was like, wait a minute. Sammy's in the in the shower, like crippled, and Danny Havoc's walking around like, God, I can't wait to go to Nichols right now. Like, so okay, so that that's how he gained my respect as one of the fucking craziest people I've ever met in my life. Like, he literally like he he just walked out of Cage of Death and was like, I'm fine, I don't care. And then uh, oh, yeah. brain damage, brain damage is one of uh, was one of the scariest people I had ever seen in the ring. Um, and if you sure. listen, you could probably hear me during a tournament of death screaming, punch him in the fucking face. Again, I was a fan before I was a wrestler. So, uh, yeah. you know, there was that. He actually almost beat up a fan at the tournament of death I was at. Um, and, then, uh, and then the third was Nick Gage. Um, Nick Gage, though, uh, when I first met him, uh, Pat, again, the White Lotus, knew him as a person, uh, you know, outside of wrestling. And he said, you know, next time you see Nicky, you ask him about me. So uh, I was petrified, but it was the first time I ever met Nick Cage. I actually asked DJ Hyde's permission, which nowadays I would probably never ask DJ Hyde's permission to do anything. But <laughs> the point of the matter was I said, hey, uh, DJ, uh, do you mind if I go talk to Gage? I want to meet him. And he was like, yeah, I don't care. I don't care. I was like, all right, cool. So I walked up to him, and uh, he gives me this look, you know, like the Nick Gage look, okay? And right. I was like, Hey, Mr. Gage. I was like, uh, my name's John. Uh, you know, I, and I shook his hand. I was like, uh, my 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 trainer, Pat, the White Lotus. Uh, he said, you know, he said to say hi to you. He said that he knew you. And dude, I was scared as shit. I was like, petrified. And he looked at me for like a good two seconds with that face, and then he went, Oh my God, Pat, the White Lotus. You mean Pat? And I was like, Yeah. And he goes, That's what. That dude. That dude's awesome. I love him. He's the nicest guy I've ever met, man. Oh, man, come here. Come here. And he, like, was talking to me this whole time. He's got blood running down his face. Like, you know, like, he was right after a show. He's got blood running yeah. down his face. He's like, he walked up. He, like, walked up to, to Nell. And he was like, hey, man, you know this guy knows Pat. And then he was like, and, like, you know, Nell just kind of looked at him like, I have no fucking idea who Pat is, but whatever. And, like, you know, he walked up to this guy and that guy. And he'd be like, yo, this guy knows Pat White Lotus. And, like, you know, like, Everybody was just like, oh, yeah, 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 hey, man. Like, you know, nobody cared, really. But but Nikki was, like, really one of the nicest guys. And he got fucked up all the uh-huh. time. Okay? And that's that's the worst thing. Um, sure. Nikki started to get really bad. Nikki started to get really bad. Um, he used to, he, used to uh, he was working at Force One. He came there a couple times. And uh, yep. he used to... Uh, he used to, like, you know, just hang out. Even if he wasn't on the show, like, sometimes he would come down to Force One afterward and hang out with everybody. But uh, I noticed he started getting really bad. He used to take Lauderdale with him everywhere, of course, or Lauderdale used to take him everywhere. I don't know. But uh, I noticed he was getting really bad when he actually started. Like, we would go, like I said, we'd go to his karaoke bar, and he would order food, and he would eat his food and then walk out on his check. And, like, somebody would always have to pay for him. And, like, you know, it started to get really bad. And then, uh, of course, you know, Everybody and their mother decided it would be funny to expose Nick Gage when he, you know, when when his picture came up on that website, and you know they're currently in search of this guy, but he got fucked up on something, and you know I, I totally I I you know I don't want to say how or 
or why, but you know, there's a couple uh <laughs> there's a couple possible factors in, in how he got fucked up on it, okay? I mean, you know, if you if anybody puts two and two together on just about who I talk about being a piece of shit throughout this whole podcast here, then you could probably put two and two together as well. I think somebody got him fucked up on something and uh, made him do that. Um, I think Nikki is a lot smarter than, than people give him credit for. And he was always sure. a really nice and genuinely good guy. Um, you know, I don't know what happened when he went back in. I think he just got some sort of stupid parole violation, right? Like, I don't even think he did anything wrong, really. I think he got, like, he started drinking or something like that, or he had a drink. Yeah, or something, a piss test or something, but, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I don't even know what he's up to now. Like, I'm assuming he's still sitting in jail waiting on a sentence or whatever, you know? Yeah, um, last I've heard, I think September's his his next out date, I think. Yeah, like, uh, I, I feel for the guy. He was always nice to me. He always wanted to contribute to Force One. He did commentary on a show one time, and I'll never forget it. It was one of my favorite things I've ever heard in my life, and <laughs> and I, I got I don't know it offhand, but um, I uh, I got to get it for you. I'll tell you on Facebook or whatever. I'll tell you what show it was because it was hilarious. And it was one of the best things in commentary I've ever heard. Uh, but he was always a good guy. He always wanted to contribute. Uh, he was always mm-hmm. nice, and he would always he would always give people feedback too. He used to tell me all the time like, "Yo, man, I love that pizza man gimmick. That's some shit we need." Yeah, you know, we need some of that funny shit. We don't always need people beating the hell out of each other and going through panes of glass and blah, blah, blah. He's like, we need some of that funny shit, you know? And, and, and you know, it was cool because I always hated the pizza gimmick, but it was cool to see somebody that's so established, especially on the indies, tell me that they like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, like, it's just hard to find that anymore. And, and, and I wish Nikki nothing but the best. That dude was one of the sure. nicest people ever to, to anybody that ever walked near him. So uh, I yeah. hope he does okay, and I hope he gets rid of whoever it was that might have been possibly helping him go down the wrong path. Oh, I agree, man. I started going to CZW in um, 2001, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I knew him a lot over the years, just you know, talking to him after shows, and I mean, he was just again, yeah, a, a killer in the ring, and. Um, you know, outside of the ring, he he was just a super super nice guy. He was always awesome. Actually, the one uh, I think I only went to the one Force One show, but he walked around the ring and at, on his first lap around on his entrance, he like popped for seeing me in the crowd. He's like, "Jay Cat, oh shit!" You know, like, oh. <laughs> this dude's like, "Oh yeah, one? like I'm you know." Yeah, is that the like, one I where he fought? The is that the one where he fought Nikki Benz, Nick Burke? I don't he think did. so. Okay, because he fought Nick Burke in one, and then he fought Sammy, uh, or he fought Brody Lee in another. Um, I think it was the Brody Lee one. Okay, he he fought Nick Burke one time, and uh, it was really funny. I'll just tell us real quick. They they decided they were going to brawl outside the ring, but uh, popular or contrary to popular belief, Nicky is the lightest man ever. Like he has never, I don't like I've I've like you know worked out with him a couple times, I've never actually wrestled him. Um, and then a couple other people, like uh, with Luchacore and everything, when Sammy did that one show, a couple of our students were in a match with him, and uh, you know he he or he intervened in a match or whatever. And he's the lightest guy ever. Like his punches never really hit you. Like you know they look ridiculous. But anyway, he was brawling on the outside with Nikki Benz, like they called this brawl, and they go to the outside, and 
for some reason, I guess I guess Gage went into like this like straight up deathmatch mode, and and he was fighting Nikki Benz, and he punched him a couple times, got him against a chair, and he bit him. But he actually bit him. <laughs> and he got to the back, and and Nick Burke like they've known each other for God knows how long. And Nick Burke was like, motherfucker, you actually bit me. Like, you actually fucking bit me. Why would you do that? He was like, ah, oh, man, I have no idea. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my God, are these guys going to fight right now? Like, and then, you know, they just kind of laughed it off. But, like, Nicky's actually bleeding and stuff. And then the one with Brody Lee, I remember them calling the match, and Nick just goes, ah, man, just give me, like, you know, a couple boots to the face, you know, like five or six. And I was like, did you say a couple boots to the face, like five or six? And he actually did <laughs> five in a row. <laughs> yeah. He did five in a row. He did the Brody Lee, like, big boot five times in a row. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, the, the, Nick was a lot of fun. Nick was a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was always a good dude to me, so I was sad to see all of that happen. Like I said, the, the GoFundMe thing bothered me because it bothers me with anybody. And, again, like, a wrestler not bailing a fan out of jail, so I don't, I don't see why you'd have to pony yeah, up because the, the guy – Yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent. I would never – you know, you'd never see, you know, anybody – doesn't matter who it is. You pick a wrestler out of a hat. You'd never see them come bail you out of jail. You know, I, I mean, unless they're not. your real friend, you know. Um, but, uh, sure. again, uh, I just, you know, for some reason, I feel like that was set up by certain people, and it was set up, you know, for a reason. And, you know, there was, there was there's, a, there's a motive behind it. I would almost, if, if I had to bet, I would say that maybe, maybe, possibly, uh, Nick doesn't know about all of that money. Maybe some of it, but not all of it. That's my opinion. That's nobody else's opinion but mine. So, you know, um, that's what I think. Uh, so, <laughs> you know. I'm yeah. Not, I'm uh, yeah, another so. guy um, that I wanted to talk to you about, because I know we have similar feelings on this guy, is uh, the Necro Butcher. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, he was he was more or less a complete icon. He was one of the biggest indie draws at one point or another. I mean, he just ruled over CZW. He was half of the reason why the fans would show up. I mean, he, sure, you know, his, his showdown with uh, Samoa Joe was just legendary. One of the biggest like crossover matches. Everyone wanted to do, you know, those those hybrid matches after that. Um, I mean, he he had such a big standing with, you know, wrestling as a whole. And um, there seemed to be, like, a tremendous downfall. And actually, part of it sort of stemmed from uh, – um, now, I'm sure it wasn't the first time it happened, but sort of stemmed from a GoFundMe deal. He had cut his leg or some shit at a Juggalo show. And yeah. uh, they ran, like, a, a GoFundMe, and there was a couple grand involved. And next thing you know – uh, he accused his uh, he never got surgery or any of the things that he was raising the money for or the money was raised for he just kind of shook it off and drank it off or whatever he did and um, yeah. then he considered that his Disney money and then uh, you know next thing you know he beat the hell out of his wife because he said his wife took his Disney money so right. um, I mean just just a big giant downfall and um, he's having uh, I think a retirement match or something that's like a six or an eight man tag coming up for PWS. I think it is, but I mean, you know, what's your thoughts on everything that went down with him? Here's, here's, here's my opinion on not just Necro. Okay. But like everybody, 
Okay, you're going to become a career wrestler. Okay, you're going to become a career indie wrestler. Okay, you know some people do it right. Okay, um, you know there's guys out there that have done it right, as far as indies go. Okay, you know um, Hero before he got to WWE, he 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 ran a seminar at Force One. Okay, this is this is pre WWE Hero. Okay, before he got you know he said you know if, if any of you. He stood in the middle of the ring. He sat and talked to all of us. He said, if any of you decide to do this as a career, do it right. Claim the money on your taxes. Buy things the right way. Buy them on credit. If you get, if you get paid cash, oh, well, you've got to claim it. As a, you know, whatever. Like, you've got to do it the right way. You're an independent contractor. Sooner or later, this shit is going to catch up with you. Okay? But the point mm-hmm. of the matter is, it's not, it's not about pay your money. Okay? Take the money out of the equation. Just be an adult. Okay, how long? Okay, if you were making money at this, okay, at, at podcasting, okay, I don't know if you are, or you aren't, but hopefully you are. Mm, definitely the not. Is, <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, what this is a hobby, I promise. All right. Well, okay. Take <laughs> podcasting for instance. Okay, you said you wanted to be a, a career podcaster, like that's your thing. If you want to be Howard Stern, or you want to be Opie and Anthony, whatever. Okay. Right. You know, you, and you finally start to make it. Okay. Everybody who's anybody, knows that you will not sit at the top of that mountain forever, okay? That, you know, what happens when you're Necro, okay, you got a spot in the movie The Wrestler, you're, uh, you're doing death matches all over the United States, you're working CZW, you're working ROH, you're getting national television exposure, you know, again, you're in the movie The Wrestler, like, you know, whatever. Like, people are starting to know you, okay? But that's, that's your peak, dude. Like, until you get into uh, uh, WWE or TNA or, you know, any of the other big ones that are, that are popping up on, you know, Lucha Underground, any of those that are popping up anywhere. Like, until you get to that point and you can have some fallback money, <laughs> you know, like, until you're, until you're at that point, what, what do you live for? Like, what are you, what are you doing? I always, I, I always ask people that in general, like, or ask myself. I've never really asked anybody it, but... You know, at that point, like, you, okay, you want your life to be career indie wrestler. Like, okay, but, like, you know, <laughs> what happens when you turn 40 and you can barely roll your ass out of bed anymore and you don't have a retirement, yeah. you don't have health insurance, you don't have, uh, you know, a 401K, you have a kid that's five years old, okay, and, you know, it needs school clothes. So, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm 40 years old. I'm going to go out and I'm going to throw myself through a pane of glass put myself through, uh, you know, uh, a barbed wire, you know, I'll throw myself over barbed wire ropes or get hit with a barbed wire bat, okay? And uh, I'll make that $200 or $300, and then I'll come back and I'll, you know, give it to my kid and we'll go get school clothes. How long is that going to last you? Like, okay, so now your 18-year-old kid wants to go to college. You're in your 50s, and now you got to do it again because you got to pay tuition? Like, at what point do you turn around and you say to yourself, okay, I'm an adult, okay? I have children. I have uh, I have a life to worry about. I have um, you know physical ailments. I have mental ailments. I think, um, and uh, you know uh, you know I have things I have to do. At what point are you going to turn around and stop saying how much you love weed, okay? How much you drink, right. and you know that you didn't beat the shit out of your wife, okay? You know what? It doesn't matter if you did or didn't. That's besides the point. When do you turn into an adult? That's my problem with a lot of indie wrestlers or people on the independent circuit, okay? You know, you're 18, 19, 20. 
When do you turn into an adult? When do you turn into the Chris heroes of this world and actually pay your taxes and do the right thing and, and, you know, make money the right way and, you know, go out and buy a car for God's sakes. Like, you know, just at the lowest of the low, go out and buy a car or get an apartment and live on your own. You know, you can't live off somebody else. You can't live off your wife your whole life. Okay. You can't, you know, your kids can depend on you and your mom and your wife. Like that's how it works. Okay. So like when you, when you turn around and you're, you are what Necro Butcher is now is washed up, old, beat up, unemployable, completely unemployable. Okay. And he's Mm -hmm. what? He's in his forties. I'm assuming he's in his forties, right? His early forties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who takes care of him? Like, who takes care of him now? At that point, I have no Juggalos, idea. Ju- Juggalos did a GoFundMe for him. He'll most likely be okay because he'll get on, you know, Social Security or food stamps or one or the other, or, or 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 welfare or something like that. But at the end of the day, like, you're totally segueing, or you're totally just cutting through half of life and becoming. You go from being a kid to not having to be an adult, to keep on being a kid because that's what you are. People like that remind right. me of like the 40, uh, the, the not 40 year old virgin, but uh, like stepbrothers, you know, like, right, you know, right. the, those two, the, you know, not as crazy and funny, but it's more sad than anything. It's like, dude, you fucking, you sit here and you go on Facebook every single day and you say how you, you love your kids so much. Then five minutes later you go, Oh my God, I love booze and I love weed. And oh, I don't. My favorite post was, "I hate cocaine. I just like the way it smells." Ha 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 ha! Like you know, you fucking break. Like <laughs> you are an adult. You are an adult. You have right. children. I feel worse for your children than I do you. Okay, I don't care if you fall off the face of the earth tomorrow, but your kids deserve a mm-hmm. shot. You know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the end. Of, you know, like that's the end all be all. Okay, you do anything yeah. for your kids. I'm sure. You know, it's just like yeah, I don't have kids, but. I, Right, I don't have kids, but I know if I had a kid, I'd do anything for that kid. If somebody made fun of it, I'd go beat the fuck out of that other little kid just because. Okay, but not I wouldn't right. go on. I wouldn't go on Facebook talking about how much I love booze and how much I love this and that. Okay, and how much I, you know, oh, I, I got to take my kids to Disney. Like, give me a fucking break. Like, you, you, you know, you, you have a broken leg, dude, or whatever the hell's wrong with you. You know, <laughs> like you have a drug problem. Like, you know, so many things that you could be doing that you aren't. Right. Yeah. It just Could the you, thing that you know pisses me off is I I weigh everybody the same. I mean, whether you are that superstar wrestler who you know everybody's looking at as the top draw, the reason why you're showing up to the show to highlight your. I mean, you're buying the DVD to watch the show that you paid for once just to see it again. You know, mm-hmm. you're that guy. But when it comes down to you beating the shit out of a woman, and you know it wasn't a maybe. She posted that he did it, and he said, well. You know, you'd do it too if she took your money. <laughs> you know, he didn't even say he didn't do it. It was just right. like Jesus Christ, man. And, and then, like you said, day in, day out. Oh man, I woke up in a Walmart parking lot this morning. Wonder how much I drank. Like, what the fuck, man? And I, I just don't right. respect a human like that. Let alone whether I, I don't a either. Or not. I don't either. You know, that, that's any human down to. Right. Yeah. I don't respect any human like that. I don't respect any person. I don't care if you're a wrestler. I don't care if you're my best friend. You hit a woman or you can't afford to take care of yourself or your children that you brought into this world, you're not a good person. You're not a human being. Right. Like there's something wrong with you. Okay. You know, and, right. and, and the fact that the fact that it's sitting there in black and white on Facebook, again, this is all on Facebook and all 
you know, dumb shit, okay? I, I do a lot of posting on Facebook to be funny, and, you know, I post what's on my mind. A lot of people share, you know, like the kids that get the tubes hanging out of it, you know, post this for an amen. Of course, you know, God's going to come down and save him and blah, 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 okay? Right. Some people post real life on there, okay, like Necro did. And that's the problem. Like you, 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 you rode this. You rode this thing until the wheels fell off, the motor fell out, the transmission stopped shifting. You know, your brakes stopped working. Like, how much longer are you going to ride it for? You're in your forties. You got kids. You got a wife that you beat the shit out of, and now your health is in question. <laughs> and you're addicted to some sort of drug and alcohol. Okay, so yeah, right. you're doing great for yourself. Like, you know, again, I don't think that anybody being addicted to anything. The first time is, is, is a problem, okay? I think there's always a reason or way that somebody can get help. But if you refuse help or you decided that you want to go back to it, then there's a problem there. There's an issue. Sure. And then, <laughs> so, yeah, the, yeah. The, the whole necro thing, the whole necro thing is, is funny because, you know, again, it's just like whatever. He didn't expect to be trolled on his page, and that's what happened. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. It is what it is. If I ever see him, I'll let him punch me. He can barely fucking see. Uh, so, you know, let you know, whatever. Punch me in the face. Like, I don't care. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Whatever. So, um, yeah, well, he threatened to punch me because I liked your, st- <laughs> liked your comments. So I'm like, all right, well, yeah. all right. <laughs> sure. I remember that. The exact, the, exact, uh, the exact quote he broke was, uh, you can catch a punch for liking that shit. And I was just like, yeah. yeah. You can catch a punch. Remember when you clicked complete... like, motherfucker? Yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. All right. like, that's how dumb this all is. Like, that's how dumb this all is. You're stupid enough to go on there and air out your entire family drama on Facebook, and then you're dumb enough to respond to an idiot that had, that I, I was probably sitting at home with no shirt on, watching TV, eating fucking ice cream, going, look <laughs> at Necro just posted, and I wrote something like, just coming from a guy who openly admitted to beating his wife or something like that, and of course, yeah. you know uh-huh. that sets you off. You're an idiot. Like you're 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 dumb. Yeah. So that's that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I, I I could go on like that with anybody. Okay. If you're if you do that shit, you're just not you're not a real person. There's <laughs> like something wrong with you. So you know, whatever. Yeah, man. So look, I, you know, I don't want to just go out on that note, but um. You know what are you what are you watching these days as far as wrestling? What are you into? Um, it, it's hard for me to uh, cause I, right now with my knee the way it is. It, it's hard for me to uh, to really do much of anything because uh, <laughs> you know all I could do is go to physical therapy and go to the gym. Uh, my physical therapy just ended, so now I got plenty of time to do whatever I want. Um, but. Really, I, I don't watch WWE all anymore. Um, I don't watch any no. pay-per-views. I, I mean, I watched WrestleMania, and that was garbage. Uh, I mean, it wasn't terrible. Yeah. But anyway, the point of the matter is, is like, I don't really watch that. Um, I try to catch Lucha Underground. Like, I, I can't. Like, I don't have the channel, so I can't watch it. Um, I Or I don't know what channel it is because I cannot find it anywhere. Um, but I'll pretty much watch whatever anybody puts in front of me. Um you know, just because, right. like, it's, you know, I, I saw, uh, I forget what it was. I saw, like, some, a clip from CBW where David Starr, like, lost his mind, <laughs> like, at some guy because, I don't know, I, I think he called him a Jew or something like that. I yeah, don't yeah. Remember, but, like, but, like, I'll pretty much watch anything. Like, I, you know, I don't care. 
what it is. <laughs> so um, CZW, Chikara, ROH, anything, anything anybody gives me or, you know, says, hey, man, watch this, I'll watch. Um, right. I do like On Point Wrestling. That, that, yeah, that's a fun little show to go to, especially if, uh, if you're in town or whatever. It's, I, think, uh, I think Tremont helps run that. Um, yeah. He, I think, yeah. On Point Wrestling, yeah. That's really not bad. It's not a bad little product, you know. It's a small thing. It's not like, you know, it's not supposed to be on a grandiose stage, but it, it's, it's definitely good for what it is. So, um, sure. You know, and you'll catch me at a show from time to time, very rarely anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, that's that. But, you know, I, I had a good time when I was there. I had, or I had a good time when I was doing it. And, uh, you know, that's it. I made some good friends and I made some great enemies. So, <laughs> you know, uh, hey, what can you do? Sure. Is there anything else you want to you know, touch on or put out there before wrap it up? Uh, man, I could do this for hours. <laughs> I could do you know, you uh, ask a question. I mean, you're welcome back you an anytime, man. <laughs> you tell me when, and I'll be there. Um, like I said, I could do this for hours. So, uh, no, I mean, you know, I just I just want people to keep doing, you know, doing what they're doing. Like, keep, you know, but just be an adult about it. <laughs> be a human being. Actually, go out and make money and, and and do the right thing. If you're making money on the, on indie wrestling, then then fucking go for it. But if you're not, don't be a necro. I'm gonna get that as a t-shirt. Don't be a necro. Don't like, be a necro. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't be don't be a necro. Like go out, you know, go out and make real money and 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 use wrestling as a hobby. If you're 40 and it hasn't clicked for you yet, you haven't gotten a WWE interview or you know you haven't made it big time, then guess what, man? It probably won't happen. So, you know, go out and do whatever you have to do to make money. But uh, I enjoy all the products that are out right now. So, you know, I'll watch anything at any time. So that's about it. So, yeah, man, thanks for coming on. Like I said, definitely like to have you back on the future bullshit about whatever is going on. Yeah, no problem, dude. Whatever you want, you let me know. I'll be on. I'll, I'll I'll have a good time with you. Awesome, man. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, yeah, anytime, man. Good luck with your flyers. <laughs> Thanks, man. We're going to need a lot of it, so hopefully it'll work. All right, man. All right, brother. Right, Thank you care. very much for having me. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Anytime. Yep. All right. So there you go. There's Johnny Calzone, man. You know, good dude to talk to. And, um, yeah, definitely have him back on in the future and everything else. I'm going to play a track, come back, review best of the best, and that whole deal. Um, let me see what I got here. All right, play this. Philadelphia meet Detroit trying to shut your mouth. Where you money at? Now it's time to show these motherfuckers what the fuck's about. What you dealing with lyrically, a couple lyricists you don't miss. Switch. Niggas asking when black and they gon' get together for an album, what you gon' get? You gon' get rap on steroids. Uh. Rap on steroids. Nigga, that silence is on the nozzle, you won't feel the clap, you won't hear noise. Y'all got these hoes pegged so wrong, why you hotel checking? I gotta pay these hoes just to keep their clothes on like I'm Odell Beckham. I'm flyer than a hat on Elroy. I just took it back to the Jetsons. I'm with the static like I gotta cook it out near open exit with a bad connection. Cause no matter where you go, you fuck if this rubber grip roll back in your direction. What you looking at? That's for your protection. This is that rap on steroids. Nigga, that rap on steroids. I just spit more clairvoyant raps than it take to make you half paranoid. 
Slap a gun at any day or night, stand over his body, then pray to Christ like you gave me life, so I'ma throw you back one day, Lord. Ah! I'ma throw back one like Fab on the gram. Garage look like it's sponsored by Hasbro. Got the whole app going ham. Y'all don't know what y'all are dealing. I'm on every block, my team bigger. Cause I rap anything I wanna got. The only thing I don't got is feelings. Nigga, my mind so clear, feels like my every thought is visine dripping. No, I'm not a lean drinker, but over that fatty wop, I lean niggas. Just that. Drop on steroids, drop on steroids, drop on steroids. Y'all ran into me on the wrong day. Fuck strong J do going say just bare arms, you in harm's way. You hear alarms, you in Bombay, no Baghdad, get the gas mask. Run break, do a mad dash to that gun safe. You unsafe in the right place to get blasted at next anybody. I say you on that antibiotic. I'm Fox Man, time Zeke and Beckles, call me that Anaconda. Roll a sack of that Santa Barbara. Lead poison in the damn water. Flint, Detroit, and Harbor. Philadelphia and Harlem. Boy, raise our damn problem. Cemetery too damn crowded. I'ma go get the jackhammer, go burn body, don't worry about it. Everybody know everybody. I be damn ain't heard about it. So it's right for me, so right for got swim brother like Irv Gotti. I'm first, probably back on step boys. Kinda like crack on step boys. Super big, no super nigga. I'm on impact, yo step boys. Nigga, my memoirs, memoirs. Everything I do is fine art. Put rappers in that pine box. When a black and nigga not spark, it's a problem. All stemming from them steroids, probably. Got them coming back to feel it like it's heroin. Calling American Harbor. This that Smith from Western Revolver. And if life's a bitch, we gon' roll hip Nala, they call it. Drop on steroids, drop on steroids, drop on steroids, drop on steroids.
I was looking forward to this Balls Mahoney versus, uh, you know, New Jack showdown and this and that. And then when they got in there and they sat across from each other, it was like him picking on like a dying homeless man. That's what it looked like. It didn't look like the old Balls Mahoney that I used to watch tear it up with Rob Van Dam in the ring and have crazy, crazy fucking matches. For the size of the guy he was, man, he could fucking go. He would get in there with, with Van Dam and be just going with these fucking high spots and, and really just keeping pace with a guy like Rob Van Dam. And, and that was what always really impressed me. I was a huge Van Dam fan. So when you saw a guy the size of balls, not only just destroying people with chairs, but getting in there with Van Dam was definitely the one that stuck out to me and went, wow, this fucking guy can go. And, and you would see balls, you know, work you know, some indie shows, and, you know, obviously ECW was his biggest, you know, deal. But um, you'd see him, and, and he would bust his ass. It didn't matter, you know, if it was 50 people or, or whatever it was. He was a true professional that way, and he, he would really just go out there and give you his all. Um, super, super nice dude Anytime you'd meet him outside of the ring. Always had a smile on his face. Really, really nice. And, um, you know, I, I feel really bad for his family, and, uh, you know, he had a kid kids i'm not really positive on that but i know you know he really loved his family and you know that that was really close to him so i mean it's it's a real shame like i said it, it doesn't come as a shock to me but it doesn't make it all right you know what i mean like it's it's a terrible thing for someone to have to lose their life at 44 years old you know he's up there with axel now and um yeah i mean rest in peace balls there's not a lot more i could say about it you know what i mean because it's just one of those things that whether you see it coming or you don't just not um you know you always hope that they steered away from the the cliff before they hit it you know i mean no diving towards the ground you're hoping they're able to pull that wheel up you know that that um you know if they're what the fuck is that i forget what they call that shit the yoke i don't know you know in the planes it's not a steering wheel you know you're hoping they're able to pull it up you know before they hit the ground and unfortunately more times than not it doesn't it doesn't work out that way um, so yeah, um, rest in peace. Um, but yeah, before I get into the, the best of the best, um, the, uh, NXT show from last week, the, uh, pre-mania, uh, Texas NXT takeover was fucking bananas, man. Um, that Nakamura, Sami Zayn match was just an absolute fucking classic. Like, the aura behind it, the, the, you know, the performances in the ring, everything about it, the magnitude of that match. And, you know, this is the thing. For for anyone who's out there talking this fucking bullshit, this cock-sucking Mark fucking indie dick-sucking bullshit, that every time a fucking guy they like gets signed, they go, well, Vince isn't going to use him right. Or he's just going to bury him. He's just going to bury him. Go fuck yourself. When you have people on the fucking indies like DJ Hyde, they can't book a motherfucking thing to save their life. We're going to talk about a guy going to the WWE and not being used right by a motherfucking million, multi-fucking millionaire like Vince McMahon. Possible billionaire. I don't know what the fuck kind of money he's got. It's a lot, though. 
So we're going to talk about somebody like that not using a guy right because you like the way that fucking Gabe Sapolsky booked him. Shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Shut the fuck up. Because bottom line is, this match right here, Nakamura, El Generico, call him what you want to call him, first time ever fucking matchup, and it happened in a WWE ring. So that's some shit. That, that should silence every one of these not using them right dickheads. So now you got this shit, and hey, man, like if you're an indie fan, if you're a fan of these fucking guys, like, and, and I'm not going to call myself like, you know, the, the fan or anything like that, because honestly, I'm a way late, I'm a way late to the party Japanese anything fan, because I don't follow it heavily. I don't. I'm a fan of Nakamura, love the fucking guy's work, but I don't know, like, the chronological, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know this dude's, um, his whole fucking resume and his whole line of work. I haven't seen a hundred Nakamura matches, you know what I mean? Like, I've seen some shit, but, you know, I, I my, uh, my knowledge or, or, you know, history of watching his shit doesn't go anywhere near, like, what a lot of these people who, who are strict to Japanese wrestling is. But what I'm saying is, is, when I watch that shit with Nakamura's music fucking hitting and Sami Zayn standing in the ring, just that entrance alone gave me chills. Like, yo, <laughs> this is some real shit right here. And he did the yow with the fucking backbend. Like, in the WWE ring, I'm watching this fucking live. The shit was fucking crazy. You know what I mean? Like, that to me is 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 major, major shit. And, and it should be to any fucking indie fan out there. I'm not saying that the indie world didn't mark the fuck out for this because they did. I'm just saying enough with the who doesn't use what right. Just fucking enjoy when some shit gets presented to you because we're getting presented with some pretty top-notch fucking WWE stuff right now. You know, following that, the fucking women's match of um, Bailey and Asuka fucking crazy. And then Asuka, you know, formerly Tana, takes the fucking women's title. That shit is that shit is off the chain. That shit was great. And then the main event being fucking Joe versus Finn Balor. Again, you got you know what I mean? Prince Devitt, Samoa Joe in a fucking ring and within thirty seconds of the match, Joe gets busted open with a fucking headbutt and he's got fucking blood pouring down his face. Drake Younger's trying to stop him. This is like fucking video games, man. This is like a fucking fantasy book video game. <laughs> Drake Younger's trying to stop the bleeding on fucking Samoa Joe's face while he wrestles fucking Finn Balor for the fucking title. You know what I mean? Like, shit is crazy, man. That, that show is off the chain, and NXT is doing some real big shit right now. So, you know, that, that's what I took that weekend for as far as that goes. You know what I mean? I didn't like fucking WrestleMania. I really, really didn't. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not looking to review the fucking WrestleMania. I mean, you, and, and this is part of why I didn't do the show last week because um, I just, I get in these moods with this podcasting thing where, first off, like I stopped listening to wrestling podcasts well over a year ago. Like I don't listen to any of them. Um, you know, I'm friends with those hot tag dudes, friends with the, you know, dude over there at, uh, you know, we want blood. 
Um, you know, those, those guys are good guys too. But I don't listen to none of this shit, man. And like occasionally, like oh, well, you know, they had DJ on. DJ talked, you know, mentioned me and shit on on the uh, the what do you call? Um, fuck, I just said it. Jesus, uh, <laughs> hot tag. So I listened to that shit because I knew like DJ was gonna say a bunch of dumb shit. And then at the end, I hear that he calls me out and shit. So because they were nice enough to mention me on there, on their their interview, you know what I mean. So I listened to that, and you know, I got the fuel for my fire there. And you know, occasionally I'll listen. I'm not gonna say never, but not regularly. I don't regularly listen to any wrestling podcast, especially if it just concerns like these person's opinion on Raw every week. I don't give a motherfuck, man. And and most of the time, that's how I feel too. Where it's like. Oh, I can go on and I can review WrestleMania. I don't give a fuck about what anyone else thinks about WrestleMania. And I don't know why the fuck they should care about what I think about WrestleMania. You know what I mean? There's like a million opinions about the same fucking show out there, and they're all boring for the most part. You know what I mean? Take the show for what it is, but who gives a fuck what I have to say about it? So a, a lot of times I get into those disgruntled kind of moods, like fuck a wrestling podcast, including mine. You know what I mean? So... I just kind of had that mindset, and especially, you know, as I'm getting closer to this race, I got I got my um my my Spartan Sprint on Saturday. That shit is in fucking City Field where the fucking Mets play. I've never done a stadium race before. I've been training my motherfucking ass off since last year. I'm like like 10 to 15 pounds heavier than I was in all muscle from last year. Um, my even my run training is up. Still, still not where I should be. I just can't get myself out fucking running as much as I'd like to, and I and I wouldn't like to. That's kind of the point. I, in theory, I would like to. If I really wanted to, I'd be fucking running. But anyway, I still put in more running distance in my off-season training than I did the previous year. And I started my previous year with the beast. This one, I'm starting with the sprint. So, and this is a you know the the stadium sprint. So I'll be over in uh, City Field. So I'm I'm beyond fucking exciting, uh, excited, and you know I start to get just that killer mentality, and, and you know within that killer mentality comes some like fuck this, fuck that type of shit, and that that's kind of where I fall into like a what the fuck is a podcast? You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm trying to rip motherfuckers' faces off. I, I, I'm I'm feeling aggressive as shit. I'm not I sit there and talk about WrestleMania like one of these motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Like I start to get angry. So, um, so that's why I cleaned off of last week's show. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to go top to bottom on fucking WrestleMania because who gives a shit? Um, didn't, didn't like it. Um, you know, Moxon, Moxon, um, and Brock or, uh, Dean Ambrose and Brock, you know, it was, it, it was pretty good. I expected more out of it. And from what I heard, um, both, uh, Ambrose and Brock really wanted to do more, uh, most of which was Ambrose's idea, but like they had agreed like brutal shit to happen to Brock and brutal shit to happen to Ambrose, and both of them were completely down with it supposedly. And uh, you know the main offices said now, like nixed that shit and kind of broke it back down to what it was. And again, wasn't terrible, but didn't really you know blow the roof off the way I, I know they could have. Because um, obviously I enjoy both of their work quite a bit. Um, the latter match was fucking crazy in the beginning. 
the women's match is probably this fucking show stealer. And, uh, you know, that, that's pretty much it with me. You know, I, I'm not a Shane McMahon fan. I don't give a fuck that he jumps into a padded table. I know it was high up. I know that, you know, the table being padded doesn't make you safe, especially fucking 50-something years old or whatever the fuck he is. But I just, I'm not a fan. I don't give a shit. I, I stopped giving a shit about Undertaker matches a long time ago. So add another 50-year-old dude that had everything handed to him into the match. I, I just don't give a fuck. So anyway, while we're talking about not giving a fuck, um, yo, is, is Vince Carter still playing basketball? I, I swear, I just seen his motherfucking face on my TV. That, that shocked the shit out of me just now. Is that Vince? Yeah, that's, that's fucking Vince Carter still playing basketball. Ain't that some shit? Uh, my Heat just lost the fucking game, so they're they're gonna be like in the playoffs, but not not quite so high up on the fucking playoffs. More bullshit. They were leading the fucking game by like over twenty points in the first half, and they just fucking gave it back to the other team. Crazy. Uh, so anyway. Other big fucking news is the John Zandig is 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 back or is coming back, I should say. Um, there were a lot of you know rumors and this and that and this could happen and that could happen and maybe TOD and maybe this and maybe that. Um, well, the the bombshell dropped as far as what at least, if not the first move. A definite move is going on, and that is um, GCW, the Game Changer Wrestling, formerly Jersey Championship Wrestling, who ran the Nick Gageless Invitational. Um, they're running a, a Zandig uh, tournament of survival, which is fucking hilarious because number one, it's six days before tournament of death, and you have tournament of death, and then like tournament of survival <laughs> it's like one will die one will survive like all right you know and and it's clearly a huge shot at um at dj and the and czw and everything um you know the, the one big thing that i'll never like or be on board with um you know i'll definitely attend this show i'm i'm already already got my ticket um but you know, and I'll I'll support this, and I'll support the uh, most likely, depending on the date, where the date falls. Um, supposedly, they're also doing the Nick Gage Invitational, which will be Nick, La- Nick Gage-less again because he won't be out this summer. Um, unless they wait until he gets out, which gets, I don't know. Anyway, but I may go to that as well. We'll see what's going on. But I, I can't continuously support the uh, GCW product because Brett Lauderdale is is heavily involved in that. Um, just like that hybrid wrestling is like a Brett Lauderdale joint. I I can't support it. I can't fucking do it. I said one show here and there for the sake of the greater good, as far as I'm concerned, which is my entertainment. Um, I, you know, I can do that. That that's not a fucking problem. But it can't be a consistent. I'm not a you know. Uh, I can't be that guy. So, um, but so far announced is uh, Bryant Woods, um, John Wayne Murdoch, and uh, Danny Havoc. So you got those three guys immediately entered in the tournament. Um, now, you know, there, there's there been talk and hints and rumors that, that 
you know, DJ obviously is pissed. I mean, how could you not be pissed? Someone just decides to spring up a deathmatch tournament six days because it's on a Sunday. Tournament of death being on a Saturday. It's six days before tournament of death. So even if you had, like, you know, I mean, your deathmatch fans are more likely going to attend both. So you don't have as much to worry about about that. But, you know, hey, man, like, you do fucking no rope barbed wire last week, and then someone else does it for next week. Well, yours isn't going to look as fresh. You know, it's not. It's going to take a lot more for you to pop the crowds the week after they pull off their shit. And people, you know, they're going to be looking to top you and and all that. Um, but the other thing is, is if you have obviously it, it's a shot at CZW. So from DJ's perspective, I'd be mad as fuck if my guys were working for the company that's trying to fucking bury me. Um, Unfortunately, DJ gets no respect in the wrestling business, so that's not going to help him. And he he doesn't have a fucking leg to stand on. He can get as mad as he wants, and he can threaten to, you know, not use them on his show, but, like, just say he doesn't use Danny Havoc. Danny Havoc's announced for both tournaments already. If DJ decides not to use Danny Havoc, that hurts DJ and only DJ. You know, you could stand up and go, oh, I told him, yeah, and you fucked your show because Danny Havoc is, a, is one of the best deathmatch wrestlers on the planet. So you could pull him off your fucking show. Who the fuck does that hurt talent-wise? You know, if you want to take a stand, I mean, you had two guys pull off your fucking show to work Lucha Underground kind of last minute and kind of left you stranded on, on the, uh, you know, your February show. Was it February? No, your March show. Um, so, I mean, with all the talent that pulled off of that shit, you're not holding grudges and leaving them off fucking cards. So, I don't know that you have a leg to stand on to fuck yourself out of talent and further, um, you know. Well, look, I'm hoping that DJ holds up to his word and comes on the show next week. The plan is DJ Hyde is going to come on and debate me about many, many topics. Uh, next Thursday. I have it planned for Thursday because Dojo Wars is on Wednesday, and he said Thursday would be the better day. Now, whether he holds up to his word and we talk to DJ next Thursday or whether he backs out is completely on him. I'm I'm up for it. I'm um I'm I'm very very excited. Um, but amongst many things, we will ask him about. I keep saying, you know I say we, but you know. I'll I'll ask him about this whole fucking tournament situation and his feelings on it. And, you know, will will these guys have some kind of work here or work there situation? And, you know, what's the, you know, what's the ramifications of this now John Zandig tournament of survival six days before tournament of death? Uh, There's a lot to talk about with it. And, um, you know, for the fans, it's good. Yeah, it's very good. Give me hell, New Jersey, which is again, you know, the deathmatch tournaments in New Jersey, and you know they're not flat out calling it deathmatch tournament either. So I mean, we get that straight, but yeah, they are booking deathmatch guys. <laughs> you know, uh, they kind of expect it to be, but in the same token, they're wisely not putting like deathmatch all on the fucking posters and stuff. So that you know that is a wise decision. Um, it's going to be in Howl at Game Changer World. I, I don't know what the fuck a Game Changer World is. 
I guess this is where they run shows. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know indoor, outdoor. I'd imagine outdoor. Deathmatch tournaments indoor are just about unheard of. I know IWA has done some, and uh, Deep South has done some in whatever shack that they work in. Um, but it's kind of crazy because building codes for, you know, bursting light tubes and possibilities of fire and all those other things. Deathmatch tournaments kind of belong outside unless you have a, you know, a pretty lenient building to work in and, and honestly, a good amount of space. Like, if you try to run, like, an all-out deathmatch tournament in, like, that on-point building, like, fans are going to die. I mean, (laughs) of course, I'm exaggerating, but, I mean, seriously, when shit's breaking, if you cannot get out of the way, you can really have some bad shit go down. Um, But, anyway, so there's that. Um, Let me, uh, I'm going to take another break. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to review this CDW show, the best of the best. Fifteen. Um, yeah, well, what the fuck did I do with this tracks? I don't know, man. I, I, um, I had a couple tracks up from two weeks ago. I played one of them. And uh, now I'm kind of forgetting the name of the, the second track that I was going to play. So, uh... Let me see if I can find it real quick. But, uh, yeah, they did this race on Saturday. I'm very, very um, excited. And uh, that, that's where my mind is at right now. And uh, what can I say? You know, this is the shit I train for. I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, I know this, this is just a tremendous radio. Um, oh, I it's not fucking radio. It's a podcast. Uh, you, you should um, expect this type of shenanigans from a podcast. Um, all right. Let me... I don't think this was what I... Yeah. Play this. Pull and fly, my niggas ride. You've been advised. Say goodbye, won't let it slide. Let's finish slime. On my mind, these niggas fool like dinner time. Revenge coming, I grab a tool and drill his mind. No mash about a phantom, they know it's me. Start shooting, they screaming, it was the KOB. Yeah, I'm a killer with a smile. Fuck fame, I'm the king. Dope dealer with a crown. Never stop shooting till them niggas on the ground. In the street screaming, my retaliation coming down. Yeah, they put my homie in a grave. So I'm barefoot running through the Peace with a K, with a K. Uh, But they mamas better pray Cause I got them on the list I'm just trying to find a J All black, four rugas and one Mac Ride by and dump, make sure they all clap After the rapid fire, you come to I'm in the field with it, I ain't really with the words Any disrespect, it's gonna be a purge, you sight Holler to me when you see me if you with the cup Cause if I'm uncomfortable, my niggas letting off letting Drop your top, can't run to the cops, why? Where I'm from, my niggas pay off the cops They try to catch me slipping at the party Somebody gon' see the son of an off Eye for an eye, two for two, fist the season Motherfuckers missing the roof, my sleeper 
Same nigga you call a freak the hoe. What else? Same nigga push you on the Peter Road. What else? All the suckers got to pay. 50 shot clip. You gon' see 50 shades of gray. After the rapid fire, you Like this crowd, we're gonna battle of this side. 
DJ Hyde, fuck you. All right, uh, best of the best 15, as it were. Uh, look, I, you know, this was uh, a WrestleMania caliber best of the best show. Uh, I don't mean any WrestleMania. I mean this WrestleMania. Look, the the show was not booked heavily. Um, this this it, it was a thin lineup. Now, you know, part of this, I, I definitely would like to contribute to a policy that DJ enacted a couple of years back. He does not like to put returning winners in the tournament, which I think is absolutely fucking asinine because when it comes to tournament of death, that's all he does. Masada won two times in a fucking row. I think it was in a row. Yeah, he, he won two times in a row. And then he won the Europe one, too. So if his policy was like, you know, returning champions not in the fucking tournament, well then this fucking uh, tournament of death wouldn't have gone the way that it has. Uh, Danny Havoc won a second one, you know. I mean, it, and I'm not against it. I'm saying you kind of rob yourself of fucking talent because you could have you could have cut out some of this bullshit. You could have had, you know, booked Sammy Callahan in this fucking thing, booked fucking G's in this thing, you know, do, do something that's that's going to make this, like, uh, one of the best tournaments on the fucking planet. Get the best fucking talent you can and put it in there. And if if a lot of that fucking talent is regular talent that's proven before to be the type of guy you would put over this fucking tournament, then by all fucking means, let's, let's fucking, let, let's go. But that's not what DJ decided to do. Um, so first round, um... Ricky Shane Page, this was the worst first round in the history of best of the best. Um, Ricky Shane Page beat Ryan Galone and Ethan Page. Now, I had not seen Ethan Page before. He doesn't seem that bad, but I, I'm not really sure. I haven't seen. So that's the other thing. Like, in past years, there's been a lot of unknown guys that will come into best of the best. They'll be booked as unknowns. They'll be brought in. And the thing about best of the best is, um, well, the single elimination is fucking ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Because if you go into a tournament and you have, what, 12 guys in it? You have 12 guys in it, and the first round's over and you have four already? That, that, that's some old bullshit. Come on, man. That, that's fucking crazy. At least if you did double elimination the matches would go on longer. And, and I know you can do back-to-back pins or whatever, but it would seem like there's more substance to it than just one pin done, now there's four guys. You know, like, it, it just, it, it's too fucking, it, it's too quick. You know, I, I would rather less non-tournament matches and more matches out of the actual tournament to build it, you know. But anyway, um you know, even sometimes back in the day, they would do, um, you know, two four ways before the final or some shit, you know. Uh, you'd do elimination on those. That would be the fucking move. Anyway. Um, so, but um, Ricky Shane Page versus Ryan Galone versus Ethan Page. But like I said, in the in the past, you would get to see these unknown guys. You would get to see their arsenal. You know what I mean? They'd pull out all their big fucking moves, you know, whether they hit them all or not, because, you know, obviously if they're losing their first-round match, 
they're not going to hit all their shit that makes them win a match, but you're going to get to see everything that they, they have. That way you can go, oh, fuck, man, I want to see that guy back to do that type of shit again. Ethan Page, I don't know if I really got that out of him. So I don't know. I don't think he's a bad wrestler, but I don't feel like we got to see his arsenal put out there. I don't think they, they really showcased him the way that they possibly could. I mean, maybe that's all. I don't know. That's what he normally just does. But um, uh, Ricky Shane Page, look, man, Ricky Shane Page can work. I don't think he belonged in the best of the best tournament. I really, really don't. Um. And he didn't do a terrible job at all. He didn't do a bad job at all in this tournament, but I still thought not. this is not like best of the best type motherfucker, you know? I'm not saying the guy his size can't be in best of the best, but I'm saying like you could have done better for best of the best. Again, man, you start booking these fucking guys. Well, I know that night Dan Moff was wrestling um, Chris Dickinson at House of Glory. But I was going to say, for instance, bring in Dan Moff, man. I think he should have wrestled fucking Tremont the month before because they already had a banging fucking Devin Tremont match. So if you followed that, you had Moff in the fucking building. You had Tremont say, hey, you know, you want to run in here, challenge people. And then, boom, Moff fucking Tremont, first time ever. Shit would have been fucking crazy. And then if you found a way to fucking book him into best of the best the next month, you know, because obviously you got an open weight thing going on, well, that's a big fucking deal too, you know? But again, instead you put the guy who you you fucking you booked him in tournament of death. He stole the fucking tournament of death last year. Mind you, last tournament of death was one of the worst. Um, but first round matchup, Danny Havoc and RSP match of the fucking show. And everyone, please come back. Please come back. It takes DJ six fucking months to book the dude again after a please come back chant. He fucking books him in Cage of Death in the same fucking match because his creativity is just fucking overflowing. So he books Danny Havoc versus RSP again. Danny Havoc gets put over again. Unfucking believable match. Insanity, right? Please come back. Please come back. Please come back. So DJ books a third match. Same two fucking guys. Now this match is for him to earn a spot. Frankie Picard walks in from fucking Dojo Wars and gets a fucking wired title shot. And this guy gets two fucking please come back chance six months apart. And you're going to run a gimmick where he needs to win this match in order to earn a spot in the fucking company. Maybe you don't understand the way that things work where you give the fans what they want and they keep paying you to run a fucking company. Not like you haven't really proved anything. So you got to earn your spot. Like, the fans are your fucking measuring stick, stupid. And I know, like, it's a gimmick, but it's a dumb fucking gimmick because, you know, this big – and a big theme of next week's interview is going to be or our debate, whatever you want to call it, is DJ has said the words he doesn't want to insult fans' intelligence. I think he said that when he was on my show last, two years ago. He said that – thing for him in wrestling is believability. However, he went the furthest from that in this in this show's booking and in many, many recent CZW bookings. Believability doesn't belong isn't on his fucking on his planning schedule. Like there's nothing on that fucking sheet of paper when he writes down what's going on in the show that says the words believability on it. 
and, and we'll we'll touch right back on that shit. But so again, he then he loses that because of a swerve where fucking um, Tim Donst fucks him. So then he doesn't get that, but he gets an immediate entry to what's supposed to be a prestigious tournament. So you lost a match that denied you a spot in the company. However, you do get an entry to the most prestigious tournament in the the company. And I, I'll fucking go out on a limb and tell you that it's the most. It was the most prestigious tournament on the motherfucking U.S. Indies because there's a definite point where the Super Eight faded down to fucking mid card type shit where they used a lot more homegrown talent. It was no more low-key Xavier, fucking Christopher Daniels, reckless youth type of shit. It became, you know, fucking Kikoa, the flying Hawaiian in their fucking tournament. And that was like their fucking guys, you know, and assholes like that. So you got that, and then best of the best started fucking turning it up. And the talent they were booking from top to fucking bottom was, without question, the best fucking singles tournament in the country. So when you go from that to doing this type of shit, where this guy was denied a roster spot, and then he just gets entry to your tournament. And then he gets entry to your deathmatch tournament, too. So you, you just, like, blew the fucking head off of your entire dumb angle to begin with. The, the angle shouldn't have existed, and then you had no commitment to your bullshit angle. So anyway, fucking Ricky Shane Page is in this tournament. Whereas Ryan Galone, who we've last seen, I don't know if he's on Dojo Wars because I don't watch it, which we've last seen as a member of the front who never meant shit to a single fan in the audience. He's randomly managed by Veda Scott, who's never worked in CCW before, and she's now working valet for a guy who was part of a, a crew that no one gave a fuck about a year ago. So that's what he's doing now. And then Ethan Page, like I said, you know, about him. Ryan Galone showed nothing. He botched some crazy shit. He was trying some kind of shit off the top rope, and he fucked that way up. He, he completely fucked that up. Um, the the match just came off sloppy, and it just really didn't come together. Uh, Ricky Shane Page gets the win. Now you got the next match. Um, this, look, if you were to look at the first round and say, all right, out of these four matches, what is the most anticipated match? Um, and, and right off the bat, I would say not only is it the most anticipated match, it's upsetting because when you put those three guys in the first round match, you're depriving the rest of the tournament of two of those three guys. When you're thin on talent and you tell me that Joey Janela, Jonathan Gresham, and Leo Rush are in one first-round match and only one guy can go on, you're like, fuck, man. It's going to be a great match, but we don't get to see fucking... And I had a feeling that, you know, with the build that they were doing as far as Gresham saying, you know, talking to winning the, the, the best of the best. And, you know, they've mentioned it enough times to make me think, look, Leo and Gresham are tied, or Leo and um, Janela are tied up in their feud, uh, even though it seems like it would be coming to an end with the Ring of Honor thing. I don't know the full, you know, 
deal with that as far as, you know, what he's allowed to work or how long he's going to be there. But you would think Gresham is going to advance. So Janela and Rush are going to be out first round, which fucking sucks. Um, they take it a step further where they don't even give you that match to forward an angle that already – it, number one, it already had enough momentum. Number two, like I said, I don't know how much he's even going to be able to work. Do we get a blow-off match out of this? What What do we get? You know, um, he already legitimately pulled off of a show to work Ring of Honor on the Dallas weekend. So where CZW was supposed to go down there with their fucking big guns, they gave the fucking title to a guy that wasn't going to be on their next show on WrestleMania weekend. And then followed that with best of the best where he's in this big fucking first round matchup, comes out in a fucking suit, you know, does the whole super heel thing. And really, like, the way Joey played up their angles in this and the way that um, Leo played up his angle in this, both really, really well done as far as their execution of this dumb fucking idea. But the fact of the matter is it's a dumb fucking idea. It took a really, really good fucking matchup away from the fans. So they have Joey, uh, Leo Rush comes out, stands in the fucking corner, and he's got, like, you can kind of tell he's got a little bit of, like, blood on his, like, hand tape. And his, his like, because he had, a, you know, like a dress shirt and a suit jacket and all that. Yeah, like a suit on. And uh, his, he's got the suit jacket off, his tie's a little ruffled, his shirt's a little ruffled, and there's a little bit of blood on his hand tape. And he's just got kind of like a stoic, pissed-off look, but he's not showing really a lot of emotion or, like, doing anything. He's not really giving much. So he's just standing there in the corner, kind of, you know, stoic or whatever. And um, Joey's music hits. And, you know, the first thing I, I see, Joey's music hits, and you can tell, because the lights are going, but you can tell he's, like, crawling. But, you know, Joey does some old wild shit. You know, he crawls around on the floor and acts all crazy and shit. So I think he's just doing another wild-ass Joey Janela entrance and shit. So he comes crawling, and then, you know, enough light hits him where you notice, like, his head's all bloody and shit. And he's dragging himself to the ring. And they're trying to stop him from doing it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, And he's stumbling around and really acting like he's completely fucked up. So Rush just sits back, he doesn't give a fuck, sits in the corner, and Gresham pretty much just slaps the, you know, Janela says, like, come on, fucking bring it, they ring the bell. Gresham slaps on the fucking submission, and Joey's out, and it's over. That's it. Match is fucking over, Gresham goes on, and that's it. Janela doesn't wrestle in the tournament, and Rush doesn't. So, So that's the end of that. I don't know. Like I said, uh, it's a big fucking step to take if you have a thin lineup to begin with to remove that that level of talent all in one match. Um. So and then then you got Shane Strickland beating Kurt Robinson and Anthony Henry. I never saw Anthony Henry before. He he seemed all right. Um, Kurt Robinson, look, man, this kid is 16 years old. I'm not saying this guy can't be good. I mean, shit. When he's 21 years old, he could he could say he has fucking five years of fucking experience. I mean, you know, this dude, this dude has a fucking hell of a head start on the business. You know, being where he's at at 16. 
Four sixteen, yeah, man, seems fucking good. For best of the best, he does not fucking belong in this spot. This is why I don't blame the kid at all. I blame fucking DJ for putting him in this spot, thinking he's some fucking genius fucking Booker, and he's putting one of his guys, and he's gonna show the world what he can do. He's fucking stupid because. He put this fucking 16-year-old in a spot he didn't belong in, and the dude was completely awkward. He, he telegraphed the majority of every fucking thing he did out there. You can see him, like, waiting for fucking shit to hit him, like getting in position and, like, waiting for the dude to hit him. You, and the other thing is they booked him like, like fucking Cesaro. They had him just, like, running back and forth around the ring, just, like, throwing fucking European uppercuts at dude like he's a crusher. And, like, are you fucking kidding me? This dude's a Dojo Wars kid. He's fucking 16 years old, and he's just supposed to be running around ripping people's heads off with fucking European uppercuts? How the fuck do you think that's going to come off to the fans? That shit might pop on a fucking Wednesday to Whack Packer Hogan, but his shit ain't working on fucking best of the best. That's fucking crazy, man. And then, like like I said, his, his fucking selling was not fucking good. He'd fucking stay down for, like, two seconds and he'd be back up because he's an animal, you know, he's a European uppercutting animal. So he's fucking running around crushing and crushing and crushing and, you know, botching shit and just, just timing his way off. And and again, it's not his fucking fault. He's just not ready for the best of the best, which fucking a lot of people aren't. You know what I mean? Like maybe the fucking Briscoes when they were fucking 16, 17 years old, because they were young when they were in best of the best, they were probably fucking 16 too. But they're the fucking Briscoe brothers. And they had their fucking each other to rely on. So they went in there with fucking Mondo, did the whole double team thing, got him the fuck out of there. And then they, he wrestled his fucking brother the next round. That That's a pretty fucking, you know, good transition. And they just did fucking spots to each other until their fucking, yeah, the crowd exploded. I mean... But this this is this was a whole different situation. It was a dumb fucking idea. I will tell you that um, Strickland has definitely improved. Um, I mean, it, he he's definitely continued to work on his shit, and um, he's he's definitely improved a lot out there. You know, he's working that lucha underground, which I really haven't gotten a chance to to catch up on at all. I I've watched maybe two episodes initially. I think before he even got there. And um, I just, you know, I think I can get it on my TV, but that it's in Spanish and I can't follow the shit in another language. I just, I, I lose my fucking attention span. And um, I could download it off the computer, but I just don't have, you know, time to be watching like a weekly show that I have to download every week. Like, it's, it's a pain in my balls to me. But, um, so anyway, um, there was that. It was just a bad fucking booking decision. It really was. So the match went fucking nowhere. Um, and then you had um, David Starr versus uh, Desmond Xavier and Dave Christ. And, you know, this was uh, probably the best first round match they had. Um, and, uh, you know, David Starr did his thing. Desmond Xavier is, is very, very talented. The thing is, is like, you know, everybody knows Dave Christian go, but Desmond Xavier is very talented, but again, they did not book him to succeed in this fucking tournament. To have him just mixed up in tag matches one month after another, it did him no fucking justice. There there was nothing to be gained out of that. 
Nothing. Nothing to be gained out of him having two tag matches leading into best of the best because it gave him zero momentum. And then when it came down to him saying, like, yeah, I want to win best of the best, and not really turn on Dave, but just show that he was out for himself too and Dave to get pissed off at him. There was no inkling of that going in because it was just tag matches and, you know, okay, yeah, we're a team. You know, it wasn't showing like he was building some kind of personal ego because he had, a, you know, the single success or actually going in there. He won the big mix match, and he was just in tag matches. It's not like a huge swerve to just do that at best of the best to be like, oh, he's out for himself. Like, I don't know. It, it just, again, it's it just dumb booking to me. And, um, you know, they went real, like, angle heavy in this first round, which just, eliminated a shitload of talent all at once. And, you know, they work Desmond Xavier and Dave Chris. There was an angle that pretty much led the match in, in the direction it went. Then fucking the whole Gresham Janela rush thing. That was an angle that just went the way it went. You know what I mean? So they like, they spent a lot of time doing it. Look, there's a huge, huge hole where storylines belong in fucking CZW. A one place they don't really need to fucking belong is the best of the best tournament. So to pretend like you actually give a fuck about storylines when it comes to a tournament that you're really just supposed to focus on tearing the goddamn house down for three rounds. You know, it doesn't make any fucking sense. It just doesn't make any fucking sense. And they're not, you know, angles that are setting the fucking world on fire either. The thing is, is like, Janela and, and Rush... You want to work an angle with them, good. But it's secondary to the fact that the two of them just fucking blow the fucking roof off every time they're out there. You know, I mean, you don't need to remove matches from the card for the sake of an angle where you know that their matches are going to please the fucking crowd, you know, contribute to sending a crowd home happy. It just... Those two things don't add up. Again, I don't know if there was, like, a Ring of Honor stipulation where he couldn't fucking work and the only way around it was to do that shit. I I don't know. I would have took him off the fucking card, personally. It it doesn't make any sense to to remove a first-round match if if that's the case. I I don't know what the decision going into that was. Again, I'd I'd love to talk to DJ next week. We'll see. Um, That's the plan. Uh, the, The next thing up after that horrendous first round was... This fucking horrible segment where Matt Tremont comes out. He uh, comes out with a barbed wire bat, and he's calling out Japan, Onita, and FMW. Now, here's the the issue I have with this. Number one, the Japan is scared t-shirt. All right. Japan isn't fucking scared. Fact of the matter is, is DJ Hyde had a relationship with BJW. He fucking flew himself over there every single chance he got. Guys like Joker came on the show and said DJ fucked him out of going to Japan. Completely fucked him out of going to Japan. And if you remember back when Rory was going steadily, I love Rory, but I said back then, I thought Matt Tremont deserved to go to fucking Japan over what Rory was doing. You know, Rory went over there. Rory did some shit. Part of... Part of, you know, Rory's tour over there, he said himself he wasn't happy with. I mean, maybe Matt deserves a fucking chance to go over there as well. Maybe he was, you know, too young in the in the business at the time. I, I, I don't fucking know. 
But the fact of the matter is, is there was a good gap of time where there was a relationship open with Japan. And a good amount of that time, Tremont was on fucking fire. And DJ did nothing to get his fucking guy sent. Now, this is his fucking world champion right now. So, Mr. I mended fences, I rekindled relationships, when really, Japan had a problem with John Zandig. They didn't have a problem with CZW. So, DJ isn't some fucking miracle maker. He just did fucking business with a company that anyone could have fucking done business with. You know, Ring of Honor can go do business with them. You know, uh, PWG can go do business with them. It's not a fucking miracle. It's just the fact that they never had a problem with you. You created a fucking problem because where is that relationship now? Why is Matt Tremont standing in the ring calling out FMW if you have a fucking relationship with BJW? Oh, you don't have a relationship with BJW. You fucking blew that. Flying yourself the fuck over there when, just like in America, nobody's looking to see DJ Hyde. So if every time they fucking call you for talent, you fucking book a flight, and maybe they get tired of you booking fucking flights and seeing you in front of them, maybe they stop ringing the fucking phone. I mean, that's that's just my fucking thought process because you don't go from we work with BJW, we work with BJW, booking talent, booking talent, sending guys, which not a whole lot of sending guys, more sending DJ, and match three months running around with a Japan is scared shirt. I, I think that shirt to say something completely different. You know? It, it should say like DJ fucked me out of Japan. DJ fucked me and Joker and others out of Japan is what that fucking T shirt could say. But so that that's how we start this ridiculous fucking segment. Then Joe Gacy comes out. Well, Joe Gacy lost a fucking match to Greg Excellent last month to, to crown some kind of fucking number one contender. Who the fuck put them even in the spot to crown number one contender is beyond fucking me. But they, he comes out. Now, he's talking about needing a spot. He, he deserves a spot, which he just lost a fucking match. So then Chrissy comes out, and she yells at Matt. Now, look, Matt's fucking great at promos. But Chrissy yells like a joke at Matt, and then Matt throws the same exact joke back at her as if she didn't just use that fucking joke on him. She She's cutting, the, you know, her promo on him. And, you know, it was funny. She said, like, you know, if, if all you need to do to hold that title is bleed once a month, I should be the fucking champion. Making a joke like fucking, you know, menstrual fucking bleed once a month. So then he goes, the only place you bleed one month is out of that fucking rag. Like, that's what she just said, Matt. What the fuck is going on here? So that's that's what went on there. Now, here comes fucking Greg again. And Greg does this fucking, he does this, this what, what have I done for you? You know, this is your life. Fucking Greg Excellent. So he comes out. Now he's cutting this fucking promo. Hey, Matt, you remember when you were homeless and you were living in your car and I gave you five hours and then I drove you to the store and I filled your car up with gas? Or just, you know, look, I'm paraphrasing because I was fucking zoning out with this bullshit. Hey, Joe, remember when no one believed in you and I believed in you and you used to tag with Alex Cologne and then you didn't think you could do it, but I told you you could do it, buddy. And then, you know, like, dude, what the fuck is going on here? Hey, hey guys, 
you know, regardless of this and regardless of that, I'm the most respected guy in the locker room. Everybody in the locker room respects me more than anyone. My thoughts the whole time was just go the fuck back to the locker room then, please, because where you're standing right now, I'm not respecting anything about this. This fucking promo is horrible. If the payoff is Greg Excellent versus Matt Tremont, I'm not fucking interested. Nobody in the fucking seats around the ring are fucking interested. If this is a heel thing, it's not working. It, it's a don't want to see it. It's, it. It really is. Man, there's a spot on the card for people. I've always been a fucking Greg Excellent guy as far as Greg belongs on the card. Greg can fucking work. Can Greg blow the fucking roof off the place and have the fans chant fucking CZW from front to back of the fucking match? No, he can't. No, he can't. And and as I said before the fucking Joe Gacy match, prove me wrong. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. They had no right match for the fucking mid card. Not for the top of the card. Everybody, thanks for coming out when that match is over. There's no way you're sending the fucking fans home happy doing that. And you can, again, you can hear this shit. You can go out there. You can put on the performance of your fucking life with Tremont and find a way to fucking blow the fucking crowd up. Now go ahead and do that shit the next month. Otherwise, you don't belong in the fucking main event. Do that shit month in and month out because that's where the fucking main eventers should be doing. Not just once, not just to prove somebody wrong, every fucking month. And if you can't do that same shit on the mid-card to make fans want you in the fucking main event, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I don't care if you've been with the company since its fucking inception. The same reason why Niles Young didn't belong the fucking world champion. Because just because he's been there doesn't mean he's over to the level of being a fucking champion. They did the same fucking thing with him. They forced the fucking title on him. No one gave a fuck. No one gave a fuck. They they gave the title to G's at fucking uh, Cage of Death. They tried to turn G's heel and Niles' face on the same following show. Nobody liked fucking Niles. So when G started fucking poking him with a noose, they're like, good, fuck him. G still wasn't a fucking heel to anybody because of that fucking move. They still didn't give a fuck about Niles. So the fact that he was choking the shit out of fucking Niles, it was like, oh, nobody likes him. Fuck, fuck that guy. Good, yeah, go ahead, Jeez. Maybe a little unconventional, maybe a little unconventional, but fuck him. That, that's how they were. They followed that with fucking Dickinson being in there. And then that whole fucking meltdown happened with Dickinson right following that crazy heel face at the same time turn bullshit. This is what I mean. They do dumb shit like that. They put people in spots that they don't fucking belong in, and then they wonder why it didn't work. They wonder why the storyline doesn't come together. They wonder why the fans are sitting on their fucking hands. This is the reason. This is 100% the reason. When they had the ultra-violent fucking food fight, Greg Excellent, Matt Tremont, I don't give a fuck if there was a title on the line or not. Did the fucking, did the, the roof come off of that place? Absolutely not. The fucking fans all over the fucking internet and everyone else were like, why the fuck are they burying that? So what's the difference now that we're now pushing this and we're going to tell, you know, what an awesome guy Greg is? I agree. Greg's a great fucking dude. Greg can fucking work. Greg can entertain the crowd. That doesn't mean fucking main eventer. That doesn't mean top of the fucking card. This is your fucking closer. 
Thank you all for coming out. Good night. Fucking end of the day fucking match. It's not. It's just not, man. So when you're doing promo after promo and angle after angle to hype something that no one wants to see a payoff to, I'm sorry, man. I'm fucking out. I was checked out the moment this shit was mentioned. So you're going to do a fucking month-to-month fucking drag-out feud that no one wants to see the payoff to. That's what you're going to do. And you're going to do shoot promo after shoot. No one gives a fuck about this shoot promo shit. Nobody. Nobody. Oh, it's, it's fucking tiring. It, it's really tiring. There was some of this shit that was really entertaining when Greg first started doing the fucking shoot promo. Greg did the shoot promo shit with DJ like fucking two or three years ago. And that shit was entertaining. Right now, it's not entertaining. It, it's, it's just not entertaining. It's it, it's fucking crazy, man. I'm not into it. I'm not into it at all. And it's not just me. It's the fuck the whole fucking crowd doesn't give a shit about this angle. No one wants to see this payoff. I mean, it, and, and not only that, man. Look, fucking Matt Tremont won fucking back to back King of the Death matches and a fucking Tournament of Death and two Carnage Cups. You could throw this guy off the top of a fucking scaffold through piles of light tubes and chairs and this and this and this. Greg fucking carves his head for two seconds with a fucking barbed wire bat. And the fucking guy's laid out and they're calling for medics and banging their fucking arms and an X together. Oh, no, it's serious. It's fucking sick. Come on, man. Again, believability. Oh, it's all about believability. I don't want to insult the fans' intelligence. Then cut it out, man. Get the fuck out of here with this shit. He's laid out. He can't fucking stand up. Come on, man. This is the fucking bulldozer. He just had a fucking no-rope barbed wire match with Masada in fucking Texas. Greg Excellent touches his head with the, the fucking barbed wire bat. Get out of here, man. Get out of here with that shit. I'm not fucking having it. I'm not beat for this dumb shit. I, you know, it is insulting my intelligence. I hope all this shit, I hope that shit comes to a head in the May show because I'm not going to fucking be there. Just like that dumbass preacher match. I'm not going to fucking be there. No one gives a fuck. All right. um, More insulting of my intelligence. The ultimate opportunity match. Brittany Blake beats five fucking dudes in this fucking match. And and whoever, you know, whatever, uh, you know, she wants now, she can have. Because it's an ultimate opportunity. So, Tony Nese who's better than 90% of this fucking tournament, doesn't get a spot in the tournament. The 16-year-old kid gets a spot in this tournament. And he takes a loss to an, a fucking 85-pound chick. This chick is doing fucking dives through the ropes at 85 pounds and taking out two full-grown men. Like, they're falling down when she lands on them. Like, she's diving through the ropes, and two guys are standing there, and they both fall down on the ground. This, this, these are the spots that are going on here. She's doing green shit like fucking, she gets, she, at one point, I forget who it was, because there's five fucking other dudes. He tries to shit can her, and she kind of bounces off the ropes because she didn't, didn't get through the ropes the way it looked like she was supposed to. So she just kind of stays in the ring, even though it looked like he he was trying to shit can her. And so she just stands there, and then he goes to do a dive, and I guess she was trying to do a dive at the same time. 
and then realizes as she's trying to run towards the ropes that, like, he's doing a dive. So she kind of, like, shrugs her shoulders, like, oh, I guess that spot's taken, and then waits for him to finish doing that, and then goes and fucking bounces off the ropes a second time, and then does her fucking dive where everyone dies because the 85-pound chick jumps on her. Jumps on him. You know what I mean? It's fucking crazy shit. She's green as hell. No one's popping for that crazy shit. That that's clearly someone else's idea. Than the, like the fans aren't what, who you're doing that for. So then, then after the match, uh, Dave Chris like comes out and, and you know he brings her to the back with him. So I guess he, she's part of that group now. All right, there there you go. Fuck. So then you got uh, Johnson Gresham versus Ricky Shane Page. Gresham goes over. Um, not a bad match. Like I said, Ricky didn't do bad in this tournament. Um, I don't blame his performance one bit. I still don't think he belonged in there. You could have got other talent that could have tore it up a whole shitload better than, than what we saw just overall. And it's not Ricky's fault. It's just, like I said, every spot in this tournament should be filled by somebody who you would fucking, you would spotlight. You would put, you know, at the top. Ricky's doing enough fucking shit all over the other sides of the card. You know, minus the Cage of Death match, he easily was the most violent match in Cage of Death. I mean, you don't need to put this fucking guy in some kind of high-profile best-of-the-best match. I mean, it he can work, and, you know, you can show that in different parts of the card. He could have been in a non-tournament match, and, like, for instance, like, he could have wrestled Tim Donst. Because Tim Donst fucked him, not Danny Havoc. Danny Havoc wrestled Tim Donst in a non-tournament match, but, like, what the fuck is that about? Because he didn't fuck Danny Havoc. If anything, he helped Danny Havoc. So now Danny's mad, and he's going to fight him for no fucking reason, really. When Ricky Shane Page is on the same card, but he's in a tournament after losing a match that told him he couldn't be in the company. You see what I mean? The, the fucking level of retardation that this fucking is. It's fucking crazy. Uh, then David Starr beat Shane Strickland. I think that, I mean, between that and the main, the two best matches of the show, um, Strickland, Starr, and um, Gresham were really the stars of this fucking show. Um, so they, they, you know, they, they tore it up. They they beat the shit out of each other. It was a good match. Um, a lot of spots, you know, the whole deal. Um, next up was uh, Amazing Gulaks versus Nation of Intoxication. Amazing Gulaks are so fucking over, and they really need to spotlight those dudes. Um, you know, they really need to, you know, fucking do whatever you're doing with the Hit Squad and the um, and TV Ready, and then you, you gotta work the fucking Gulaks into the number one into the tag title scene. Number two do some fucking dream match type shit and put that fucking amazing gulags up against the hit squad and do your fucking goofy, you know, um, crafty team gulag shit against the fucking crushers hit squad. You know what I mean? Like, do do some creative shit like that. Um, you know, th- those dudes are super over right now, and you, you gotta fucking run with it. So... Um, you know, cause, and the thing is, the, um, what the fuck was it? It was, um, 
Connor Claxton and Devin Moore. It, you know, Connor, he, he's just kind of just been pasted into wherever. Now he's in tournament of death again. Um, Devin just had two world title shots, so now he's got, you know, he's randomly just back in the tag scene again. And, you know, they, they just bounce him all over the place. There's really no direction with the guy. One minute he's number one contender working death matches. Next minute he's he's just in the tag match with Connor Claxton, who they were matching with other people who wasn't even in the stable a couple months ago. Just, it's just random fucking madness. Um, you know, like I said, it wasn't bad. Uh, the, the Gulaks are um, are definitely super fucking over. Uh, Tim Downs, Danny Havoc. Um, uh, th- this was this wasn't a bad match. This really wasn't. I'm not a I'm not a Tim Downs fan. But um, Tim Dons beats Danny Havoc, who just won a fucking world title shot by beating RSP, who Tim Dons helped. So Tim Dons beats him. At, you know, I, I don't know what that that proves. I, I don't know what that that helps. Now, following this match, DJ comes out. And says, hey, you know, you want to be in Tournament of Death? And he's like, yeah, no, I don't. Well, you know, he does the whole build up. You guys want to see me in that? Yeah, okay, well, good, whatever. The answer is no. Then he goes, well, you can fight Ricky Shane Page in the first round. And he's like, all right, yeah, 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 that's what I'm going to do. But, like, first off, you fucked Ricky Shane Page out of a match with Danny Havoc randomly. Ricky Shane Page is still in the fucking building where you could be fucking him out of best of the best, too. You know, claiming that you belonged in the tournament or something if you want to continue that. But, like, you... You already fucked Ricky Shane Page. So now you're... You're trying to say that, like, he's got it out for him that he'd love to wrestle him in Tournament of Death. I mean... It, what, is, what the fuck is the purpose of that? I, I think it'll be fine. I honestly think um, Tim Donaldson is going to tear it up in tournament of death. I think he's going to be one of those surprises that, you know, especially against Paige, I think those two are going to fucking murder in the first round. I think Alex and, and Danny Havoc are going to murder in the first round. If DJ doesn't act like a big shot and pull Danny Havoc out of that shit, you know, well, I guess we'll see. That's uh, that's its own thing. Um, so I don't know. I it just, again, like, Everything that's written down is like, I have an idea for a story. Like, you might as well just be reading, like, the ingredients for fucking goldfish crackers because your story doesn't make any motherfucking sense. None of your stories make any fucking sense. It's fucking crazy. I I don't understand. (laughs) It's going to be like my my uh, my new, like, catch line. CCW, it's fucking crazy, <laughs> and, and not in a good way. But fucking these stories are fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> so Jonathan Gresham, David Starr, main event. Great, great fucking heel work by Jonathan Gresham. Um, the match is just fucking great, you know. Uh, they really were back and forth. Gresham is just definitely, you know, one of the best wrestlers in the country. In the world, really. I mean, he's he's just unbelievable. Um, well deserved. He won the tournament. Um, now, what happened afterwards to me again? 
Anytime that they're given a little bit more rope, they'll fucking hang themselves with it. So, Gresham wins the tournament. DJ comes out, shakes DJ's hand, takes the fucking trophy. Now, then Gresham cuts the fucking promo, shitting on deathmatch wrestlers. Now, DJ, who's supposed to be a big badass deathmatch guy, I'm in tournament of death, it's in my yard. Yeah, fuck John Zandig and all this other bullshit that he likes to say. Uh, wrestle Dumbtack Jack, give me those syringes, uh, deathmatch guy, cinder block. He just stands there with a stupid look on his face as if it doesn't apply to him. You know what I mean? Like, well, what the fuck, man? So, he just fucking stands there, and now David, David Starr gets all fucking, because he starts saying, you know, He's cutting a heel promo about, you know, he's going after Matt Tremont and all these deathmatch scum and all this. And anyone who takes that as anything but a fucking great heel work, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. It, it, that's, no one should be legitimately offended like you really fucking is shitting on deathmatch wrestlers. That's what heels have been doing in CZW since the beginning of CZWs. Down with deathmatches. Boo deathmatches. I mean, Drew Gulak... Combat zone, you know, uh, uh, the campaign for a better combat zone. Um, you know, what I mean, like that's what they were doing. They were trying down with death matches and all that. You know, back in the day with the WWE right to censor. I mean, it's it, it, you know, it's classic heel shit. You like violence? Ooh, down with violence. You know, it's professional wrestling. Obviously, it's a you know, it's a work. But anyway, um, then. You know, he, he, David Starr gets on the mic and just, I mean, again, his performance in the ring was fucking great. Everything he said on the mic after this tournament was fucking ridiculous. Well, first, you know, he says, oh, you know, death match, you know, the, these guys kill themselves out there. Don't you dare disrespect them, this and that. So he's like the proponent for death matches, even though the fucking world champion is in the back. And he can come out and answer the fucking guy who just called him out. Uh, DJ, who does death matches, is standing in the goddamn ring. Um, and runs a company who fucking runs death matches that should be sticking up for the product. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? And, uh, you know, and other guys in the back, too, that do death matches. But either way, you know, David Starr is now the spokesman for, you know, anti-death match defamation. Um, so he, uh, he, he, he tells him, no, you don't say that. Then he, um, then he goes on to, I don't know why these people keep need to, they feel the need to rewrite history. Even though they're not aware of the history, they choose to rewrite it. And, and I've told star on many occasions even after this so I posted my whole tirade or whatever he, he you know private messaged me and I, I went back and forth to him and, and I explained to him that dude you know much respect but you're wrong because what he said was you know with all due respect to you know what John Zandig did DJ really built the best junior division here and that's something that no one could take from DJ and DJ 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 and so you know, again, it's not just saying, hey, give credit for DJ doing what he's doing here. It's mentioning John Zandig as if DJ's doing something that Zandig didn't do. 
when, you know, the fucking Briscoes, the SAT, Amazing Red, fucking Quiet Storm, Sanjay Dutt, fucking uh, Ruckus, um, Roderick Strong, Alex Shelley, Jimmy Jacobs, fucking Jimmy Rave. All these guys got their big fucking break in CZW. All, like, all these fucking guys got their big fucking break in CZW. He was using fucking the Canadians on a regular fucking basis more than anybody else was first. I know they you know, they showed up in Jersey All-Pro first. It was like a week or two apart. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is they were regularly being booked by John Zandig. He didn't even like Steen, and he was still using him regularly. So these these are guys that got their big break, got their big exposure. This led to other things in other places, but it all started with CZW giving them their big fucking break. So to say that DJ Hyde is the only one to ever do that is fucking asinine. DJ goes on these fucking podcasts, which again is why I need to have him on my fucking podcast because he's not going to say the same dumb shit he says on these other podcasts. He says, John Zandig didn't even like wrestling. He just liked flips and death matches. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Again, you know, with the fucking, the Roderick Strongs, the fucking, uh, oh, fuck, uh, uh, M-Dog is another guy I mentioned before. It's obviously not going against the flip argument, but, you know, the the wrestlers, you know, the Alex Shelley's, the Jimmy Jacobs, the Roderick Strongs, the, like these guys who have become such major fucking players in other companies, had such a big early going in CZW. You know, wherever they came from wasn't blowing up, but CZW had a big fucking name. They were sitting in that arena, and they were blowing motherfuckers up, man. So they he was giving them that fucking burst, that stardom. It all happened through fucking CZW. DJ didn't innovate shit. Again, it doesn't take anything away from what he could do with a current roster, which, again, I'm fucking waiting because... They all see this as just a fucking another place to work for the most part. But this this continued thought of uh, DJ cares about wrestling and Zandig didn't, like, that's retarded. That's just wrong. It's fucking plain out wrong. It's making a statement that's wrong. It's like saying, like, um... You know, Floyd Mayweather is unquestionably the greatest boxer ever, but you never even watched Muhammad Ali. You never even watched any of of the the other people who are mentioning some of the greats have watched all of them and, and are weighing out their opinion based on that. But you're making the statement without even seeing any of the other product that you're now judging as lesser than what you're doing currently. It's not fair. So anyway, yeah, that's that. And then the other thing, uh, geez, my fucking time's about to run out. Jesus. Um, the other thing is that um, he, he he said, I'm still, even though I didn't win the tournament, I'm still the best of the best. Like, no, no, you don't get to do that. When you lose, like you lose, you fucking straight up lost. You don't get to cut, end the fucking show yelling that you're still best of the best. <laughs> You you lost the show. I, I don't know. So, look, I, I'll be back next week. Check out the sports then. Check out all my friends, you know, all over the fucking place, uh, whatever the fuck. Um, 
think that's the battle I got. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, check me out next week. I'll have races to talk about and everything else. And, uh, yeah. All right, peace. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. How to lie. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth. Even when I lie. So say goodnight to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no food. 